0: Um, You mentioned Al Mohler earlier. Um, Al, I think he must have a man crush on me. I don't know. He can't quit talking about me. I'm not sure.
1: This is Apologetics Live with Matt Slick
2: and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian podcast
3: community. We are live. Apologetics live.
0: That was Andy Stanley thinking that Al Mohler has a man crush on him. Yikes. I think the reason Andy Stanley, he keeps hearing Al Mohler talk about him is because Andy Stanley's got some problems. Yeah. You know, Matt, I don't know if you know that Andy Stanley wants to unhitch the Old Testament. He doesn't like the Old Testament. He thinks we need to unhitch the Old Testament
4: from the Bible. What does that mean, unhitch?
0: Basically means that we should only focus on the New Testament.
4: Well, Jesus I mean, and the apostles go to the Old Testament. So if we're going to focus on the, on the New Testament and then they quote the Old, then what do you do? Ignore what they did?
0: Actually, do you, every book of the Bible of the New Testament does quote the, the Old Testament except for one, Either, or at least quotes or makes an allusion, I should say. You know which one is the only one that doesn't?
4: Peter Philemon. Philemon. Yep. Yeah. It's Philemon. And
0: and he mm-hmm. wouldn't like Philemon because that talks about slavery. And that's one of the other things he doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh I'm Andrew Rapport from Striving for Eternity. We got Matt Slick from Carm.org. And Matt, you're working on a new novella? A short novel short novel?
4: Oh, yeah, a novella, a short novel. I like doing short novels. It's about it'll be about eighty to hundred pages. And uh, I was watching a science fiction series, and uh, a comment was made that it's really hard to write a science fiction horror. And I went, it shouldn't be. And so I've had this idea in my head, and um, I started putting it pen to paper. I'm on Chapter 9 now, and uh, I'm about a third of the way through, I guess. And it'll be sci-fi horror, just for fun. Something to do besides theology all the time. So, yeah, I read some of it to Anik today, my wife, and she got was disturbed by it. <laughs> I'm good. That's what I want. So, wow, wow. <clears throat> Get your wife disturbed. So, well, you yeah. know, all you gotta do is read it to her while I'm looking at her. She's looking at me, and then the combo is pretty bad. Okay, looking at you is the horror part, right? That's the horror part, yeah, that's right. So exactly, even uh, exactly. yeah. Yeah.
0: So <clears throat> for folks who want to get in, ask questions, uh obviously we're referring to the non-keyboard warriors out there that keep challenging Matt or I to discuss things, but they don't seem they to showing.
4: come in here. But, you know what I get a kick out of is our guy can beat you badly. So this is what you need to do, Matt. You need to contact him. You need to arrange everything at, at his convenience. And I want you to do this because if you don't do it, Matt, then you're a coward. What? Who are you? You know, that happens a lot. Have him call me. Come on the show. He can come on the show. We can talk. Whatever. Oh, you're a coward. What? Yeah, stuff like that.
0: Well, I think I think that uh it, it's always interesting. They people challenge you and I all week long and we keep giving the same invitation, yeah. but they don't show up. So this is Apologetics Live to- it's an opportunity for anyone to ask questions, challenges. Um folks there's a lot of Christians have questions about apologetics. Get stuck on things. And this is a platform where, unlike Matt's radio show, Matt's like Live, here you can have longer conversations and longer discussions. So you had last week the debate with the Roman Catholic on baptism. Yeah. He did I didn't hear well. him refer to the Didache. I didn't, uh, unless I missed that, he was going to prove that the Didache talks about Roman Catholicism or proves Roman Catholicism. did oh, he ever yeah. get to that that's
4: right no he, oh i don't know he may have contacted me or emailed me but I, you know i get so many emails i miss things but uh we could go over the Didache a little bit um i wonder what areas uh you know the Didache proves catholicism it yeah, reminds think- me on on facebook i someone said that the reason the reason i'm catholic is because i believe i read the bible and i'm going yeah but you got to believe it too you know but uh you know I said, show me in the in the, you know where all this stuff about Mary is in the Bible. it's not so anyway, um you know I got the dedica I'm looking at it on carm okay uh, well, I don't you know i'm scram- scanning through it, I don't know, I read it before, but yeah, I'm trying to,
0: uh, to take a look myself to see where does it mention where does it mention baptism?
4: Chapter 7, uh, but concerning baptism, thus baptize ye, having first recited all these precepts, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in running water. Is that what Catholics do? No. Uh, but if thou hast not running water, baptize in some other water. And if thou canst not baptize in cold, in warm water. So it should be cold running water. Okay. But if thou hast neither, pour water three times on the head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But before the baptism, let him who baptizeth and him who is baptized fast previously and any others who may be able. And thou shalt command him who is baptized to fast one or two days before. Is that what Catholics do? No.
0: Yeah, I actually thought he was going to try to argue that. The, the We, we talked about this afterwards. That the I we thought he might try to argue that the Didache accepts sprinkling, which really would have been funny if he tried to make that argument. Because you're a Presbyterian, you wouldn't have had a problem with the sprinkling.
4: No, I, I believe it's biblical, but uh, you know, it's that, that's only my posi- that's my position because of what I see, see scripture teach. But uh, not for salvation, of course, um, as a covenant sign. But check this out on the Eucharist, chapter nine. But concerning the Eucharist, after this fashion, give ye thanks. First, concerning the cup, we thank thee, our Father, for the holy vine, David thy son, which thou hast made known to us through Jesus Christ thy son, to thee be the glory forever. That's not what they do in Catholicism. Anyway, uh, and concerning the broken bread, we thank thee, our Father, for the life and knowledge which thou hast made known unto us through Jesus thy son, to thee be the glory forever as this broken bread was once scattered on the mountains and after it had been brought together became one. don't know what that means. So my, so may thy church be gathered together from the ends of the earth unto thy kingdom for thine is the glory and the power to Jesus forever. Let none eat or drink of your Eucharist, but such as have been baptized into the name of the Lord for of a truth, the Lord hath said concerning this, give not that which is holy unto dogs. Hmm. And after it's completed, pray ye, we thank thee, Holy Father, for thy holy name, which thou hast caused to dwell in our hearts, and for the knowledge of faith and immortality, which thou hast made known unto us through Jesus, uh, thy Son, to thee be the glory forever. Thou, Almighty Master, didst create all things in the name of... Uh, supposed to do all this stuff?
2: <laughs>
0: so so how do you feel that your the debate went? Because I know, I know, we we saw the responses that the Catholics thought that you got demolished.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I got a kick out of that. Yeah, I got. I got yeah, what's his name? He always says everything negative about me. Uh, so much so that you can't even trust anything he says. But um,
0: so, yeah. there, there was an accident that did happen on that. Um, what was that? So, right, you you accidentally had uh, closed it out when you were looking at your, st- at your st- yeah. oh, I that. As predicted, people said you were trying to end it because you got so demolished. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
4: That's what happened. Yeah. Um, well, whatever, you know, I, we, I went right back in and uh, the guy, uh, he heard me most of the time. I'm going, Oh crap. Well, what I did, you know? And, and uh, we get back on as soon as we could. Um, I still remember doing it going, okay, click. Ah! It was like that. Like, what do I, you know? So, of course, they're going to say stuff like that. But whatever. But he didn't do well. He, uh, he could not prove from the Bible uh, and that water baptism is necessary for salvation. And what he did repeatedly was to take verses out of their context and only uh, part, partially quote verses. You know, like First Peter 3, 21, See, baptism now saves you. See, I read the whole thing. And he wouldn't, you know, do it. I had to go through and do the whole homework. For him and and put it in context and he you know fought me all the way and uh you know then the issue of uh acts 238 and i asked him you know repent be believe and be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the name of, for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit and uh, i said is that a formula he goes yeah well where's faith oh it's implied i said but it's not gonna be a formula if his faith isn't in there what's well, implied so the formula has an implication of something you know it doesn't make any sense and then i went to acts 10 44 through 48 and showed him that uh you know people received the gift of the holy spirit um before they're baptized then he went to Gamaliel. well Gamaliel was by the holy spirit prophesied see you don't have to be a believer to have have the holy spirit And i said notice what it says the gift of the holy spirit in both act 238 and acts ten forty-four 44 to 48 and uh and stuff like that so you know he, he didn't do well and uh of course the catholics are going to Claim victory, and that's what they're going to always do. You know, they're just—they're so loyal to their church and their false doctrines that it doesn't make any difference. But no, he did not prove his point. He did not uh, make his case. And um, you yeah, know, it's what it is. No big deal. So, if
0: any folks want to join in, you can go to apologeticslive dot com, dot com or dot org. I forget which one now. Actually, let me go check that out. <laughs>
4: Let's see. Last one there is a Mormon. Okay, how about this? Apologetics. Yeah. Well, it was quicker it because I have it. you have it up there. Dang. Okay.
0: So you guys heard it here first. Matt slick is a Mormon. A
4: it's apologetics. Oh, it was, it went forward. Yeah, dang it. Okay. But
0: uh, so yeah, so um there's a link to join there. And I know it works because Kat's in here. So I don't know if Kat has any questions. She just likes to come in and stalk us in here. That's what I think.
4: But we'll, you know what? Someone sent me something that's worth looking at. All right. The fourth degree oath of the Knights of the Colu- of Columbus. I mean, he said, you've got to hear this. And uh, usually he's pretty good about IDing stuff that's pretty whacked. But ton don't know if you can go over that if you want or just people just come in and ask questions. Actually, I'm going to go into uh, Discord and uh, tell people, hey, you want, you want a piece of me? come on in here. <laughs> oh, uh, get this. Kind of get, get two nights ago, was two nights ago, or was it last night? I was talking to a bunch of atheists. I went into the, and in discord, I, and it's another chat thing. And I just go in there. And I just, I'm into a room by myself. I'm whatevering on the, on one screen. I look over and people are there. Well, how'd they get there? You know, how'd they know I was here? Next thing you know, there's 30 people in there and they're asking me questions. I get this, this one guy, this atheist. He's agnostic. And, uh, He offered this scenario two worldviews. Everything's identical except for one thing. Worldview A says that worldview B is wrong or can't be true. But worldview B says that both worldview A and B are true. And I said, sorry, it doesn't work. You can't have both things because we went over this for a half hour. Well, he said, yes, it's possible. I go, show me how it's possible. He couldn't. But this is the kind of stuff I've been uh, having to deal with. Uh, it's, I'll tell you, it's... Uh,
0: well, so let me throw this out. This is a, a, an argument that's, being, that's been made, and uh, I've heard a lot of people respond, but I haven't heard you actually respond to this. The, an argument that atheists have been... or not actually just atheists, but uh, people that are, support abortion uh, try to argue. So here's the scenario. You are in a clinic... There's a thousand frozen embryos and your own daughter. There's a fire. My own what? And your oh. own daughter. So, so, you're with your daughter. There's a fire. You can only say you can save either your daughter or the thousand embryos that there. So the argument that those embryos uh, Christians would say are living are life. So, do you th- save the thousand embryos or the one daughter?
4: I save them both. Well, if you can only save one. Then I would, what I would choose to do then is save them both. (laughs) You got to choose one now. Yeah, I choose. The one I choose is is to uh, try and save them both. Both sides.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you try to save them both. See, I, I would argue that I have a responsibility as a father to take care of my daughter. And so I don't, you know, I don't have a responsibility to save other people's daughters there. I could try. But the arg- I think the argument would be that the, the doctors there would have to save them.
4: They would have well, that they're going to make up a ridiculous scenario. And there are no doctors. And you're on the planet Venus. And actually what happened is there's a gravitational flux. And so you only have 8.3 minutes to un- to figure the lock. And then, Now, what are you going to do? that They do that kind of thing. I just say, look, I'll try and save them both.
5: If we can only pick one, why not have, like for me, have my daughter save the embryos and I'll save my daughter. Win-win.
4: Hey, That's why not think of that? Okay, there you go. That, that is a good answer. Have my daughter save the there. embryos and I'll save her. Done. <laughs> hey, that was brilliant.
5: Oh, well, thanks. It happens once every five, ten years.
4: Well, I guess you're going to restart the clock now, huh?
5: Yeah, I'll be quiet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that was a good right. answer. That's a good answer. I like it. So let's see what we got in new articles on CARM. Uh Ooh, Matt Slick, you wrote something on toxic masculinity and Christianity. I did. I didn't
2: uh-huh. get this.
0: Let's go over that one because that's – kind of an interesting topic these days with what the American Psychological Association has come out.
4: Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Yes, I did. I got tired of hearing about toxic masculinity. Masculinity is not toxic.
0: So let let me just give the, the link for folks. If you go to karm.org slash toxic dash masculinity dash Christianity. Yeah, and I can't sure.
4: edit it. Dang I it! it oh, I can't get in there to edit. I, I locked myself out of my own website, so I gotta. It's gonna take a while to get back me? in. What's that? You want me to edit? No, I can like edit things. No, once I've i let it sit for a day or two, I go back in. I usually edit it, but uh, that's but like, okay. I, I already see. I it. already see. Already see a, a, a an error. But I think I I can do it over in this one on a lower level entry. I can get in there.
0: Yeah, let's see. I should I should go in and edit this and say bye, Andrew Restling. Yeah, <laughs> well,
4: there we go. Now I can edit on. I have a, I have several logins and this one doesn't have as much uh, rights. let right,
0: let's let's go over this. Why don't you start? Maybe not everyone knows what happened with the APA. Um, why, give us, give us some background. What what ended up happening with APA that on this whole issue of masculinity and. Then why don't we go over this paper that you have and...
4: <laughs> well, the APA has basically um, attacked masculinity um, and said that it can be violent and bad and all this stuff. Uh, you know, the AMA must be, uh, it's a bunch of leftist uh, servants of uh, of, of ness. I, I don't know what's up with them. You know, you'd think that they could think better than what it is that they do think. Um, let me backtrack and I'll show you something. So Trump wants to build a wall on the southern border. And people say the wall itself is immoral. Some people say that. Well, no, a wall is not immoral. A wall consists of stones and bricks and masonry and wood or plastic, whatever. That's what a, that's what a wall is. How is a stone immoral? It's not that. It's the intentionality that goes along with it. So you have to separate the wall from the intention of, of the ones who would use or whatever, for every purpose, because that's where morality comes in. Toxic masculinity is similar in that what they want to do is designate masculinity with toxicity and say that it's bad. Well, you know, it's not toxic, mas- toxic masculinity. It's bad behavior. That's all the issue is. So what I did was I went and looked up definitions of masculinity. I found four. uh, I've got the links for them, everything. Having qualities appropriate to or usually associated with a man. Pertaining to or characteristic of a man or men. Having qualities traditionally ascribed to men as strength and boldness. Having qualities or appearance traditionally associated with men. Having qualities traditionally considered to be suitable for a man. Okay. So... It doesn't make sense to say it's toxic masculinity because masculinity is not toxic, not good. It's not bad. It's just masculinity. So when the leftist moron wackos do this kind of a thing, they're not thinking clearly. And that's, you know, the AMA has already been going downhill over the years. It's politically correct um, propaganda in a lot of its uh, sexual mores, redefinitions and things like that. And so the issue is masculinity is not good or bad. It's just masculinity. That's what I said in the article. But, you know, what they're doing with a couplet toxic masculinity is associating masculinity with toxicity. That's a problem. It shouldn't do that. But if there is tos- toxic masculinity, then there must also be toxic femininity and toxic adolescence and toxic childhood. What do these things mean? You just uh, assign toxic to something, as they see. So what they do is they redefine masculinity associated with toxicity. And what they'll do is they'll say it has to do with being aggressive, uh, sexually. Uh, Again, mas- oh, yeah, here's what the AMA said. How masculinity can hurt, in, in its article, how masculinity can hurt mental health. Really? How masculinity can hurt? Why not say how femininity can hurt mental health? How? Why not say how adolescence can hurt mental health? How about this title? How the AMA. The APA, excuse me, American Psychological Association, can hurt mental health. Why not that? How about toxic psychology? How about toxic whatever? How about toxic um, Democrats? You know, I'm not a Democrat or Republican either. But it's just this kind of thing is stupid. It's a propaganda uh, approach. Two, I think. Now, morality deals with the issue of the heart, and so if something's going to be toxic, who gets the right to say what is toxic, what is good, and what is bad? It's the leftist agenda that wants to attack masculinity. And boy, well, I'll tell you, I am sure tired of my masculinity being attacked by the media. When I watch commercials, this gets me going. I watch these Geico commercials. Is it Geico? No, it's a progressive, and they always have these guys who are wimpy almost effeminate, but not quite. And that bothers me. I don't want to be associated with that. And, uh, you know, I'd rather be associated with that lizard thing, you know, at least, (laughs) you know, and, uh, I remember I've seen over the years, I've seen so many instances where men are pers- are portrayed as buffoons, as idiots, as incapable of understanding things, where women have to be the ones controlling them. women have to be the ones correcting them. Women have to be the ones teaching them. And it happens over and over in television and movies and things like this. And what I see in the movies, for example, is, is uh, men are either buffoons or they're, they're uh, serial killers or they're um, – you know, uh, hulking, massive, uh, supermen who can do incredibly great things. And these, these extremes of masculinity are portrayed and an average guy like me, you know, it, it's a problem. Now, I'm going to say something. I am I'm jumping around a little bit. Let me read something out of, of all things psychology today. This, I love this. This is what they said in no culture ever studied have women repeatedly preferred to mate with pear-shaped, low-status, tepid men possessing high-pitched nasal voices. In no documented culture do women's sexual fantasies revolve around granting sexual access to unemployed, unambitious men who occupy the lowest stratum of the social hierarchy. Instead, women are attracted to toxic masculine male phenotypes that correlate with testosterone, and they are desirous of men who are socially dominant, who are strategically risk-taking in their behaviors, and who exhibit patterns of behaviors that will allow them to ascend the social hierarchy and defend their positions from encroachers. Of course, this does not imply that women are not attracted to intelligent, sensitive, kind, warm, and compassionate men. The ideal man is rugged and sensitive, masculine and caring, aggressive in some pursuits and gentle in others. Think of the male archetype in romance novels, which is literary, a literary form almost exclusively read by women. He is a tall prince and a neurosurgeon. He is a risk taker who wrestles alligators and subdues them on his six pack abs and yet is sensitive enough to be tamed by the love of a good woman. That's what I said in uh, Psychology today. I got to read my next paragraph. I said, uh, "Oh no, if I'm not a six pack ab packing neurosurgeon who's in touch with his emotions, is caring and can wrestle alligators, then I'm in trouble. Wait, I'm autistic Asperger's, have one ab and I'm afraid of alligators right, cause I'm obviously somehow wrong as a man so but wait, a, I did get misty. I just put, had to put my cat down, which I had to do this week. It was not fun, so you know anyway, you know the thing what? Which cat? Well, the orange one, Finny. Oh. He he wasn't doing well. It was not good. <laughs> At any rate, uh, so the thing is, you know, this toxic masculinity, in my opinion, is nothing more than just an attack on masculinity. Period. It should be just bad behavior. That's all. Can men act badly? Yeah. Can women act badly? Yeah. Just call it bad behavior. That's what you got to do. And not. It's bad behavior, you know, it's another example of manly or male bad behavior. What happens to people when they constantly hear toxic masculinity? They associate toxicity and masculinity. This is what happens. First time I became aware of this kind of a thing where manhood was being attacked was a, a Volvo commercial. If I remember, it was a brand of Volvo, if it was, that's correct, if I remember. There's a beautiful girl, woman in the driver's seat. And the man was uh, in the passenger seat. So she's in control. And he was ignorant and she was explaining. She was in control of everything. I remember looking, going, Well, oh, of course, a woman could drive a car and know more than a guy, of course. But it just, it just, it was like something just a, a, a light went on. It's like, Wait a minute. This is, here we are again. And I, I noticed, and this is what started to be, Wait I've seen this before too many times, this pattern. Where men are incompetent, men are, are are dumb. Men are the ones who need to be corrected and tamed, and uh, corrected by women. And I'm not saying that some men don't don't need that, but it was just, it's just too pervasive. I'd recommend if anybody's listening, <clears throat> go to Netflix and watch. I think it's called The Red Pill, and uh, <clears throat> done by a feminist. I'm going to watch it again. It is eye-opening. It's extremely eye-opening. Uh, What's happening in America and uh, the attack on manhood and masculinity is being attacked. Now, in that same article, I know I'm I'm going Christ is the perfect example of masculinity. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, a, a man. How did he exemplify his manhood? He loved, he taught, he wept, he healed, he welcomed children, he taught that we ought to honor and serve God, he overturned temple tables, he defended righteousness, he called people harsh things, he promoted self-defense, he condemned unrighteous behavior and beliefs, and he sacrificed himself. Those are just some of the things that the best example of masculinity had. So what gets me is, what if you had a man like Jesus who never sinned, never does anything wrong. And he went through and he overturned temple tables or he went to a place, a, a big church, a famous church, and threw people out and got mad and called them names. That's toxic masculinity right there. And the problem is that the left will accuse people of things. Even when they're right, any form of aggression, any form of anything they can call negative is then labeled by the leftist propaganda machine as toxic masculinity. It's a problem in America. My, one of my greatest greatest compliments my, ever, my wife ever gave me was she said, Matt, there's no femininity in you. Now, that's a great compliment to me. It's not because femininity's femininity's femininity is bad. Femininity is great. Femininity, that's my wife's job. I don't want her being masculine. I don't want that. Hey, that will destroy our marriage. I don't. I don't need that. You know, I'm a man and I'm going to behave like a man. I think like a man, I am a man. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of being a man. No problem. But I'll tell you, I get sick and tired of these morons on TV and all over the place. Just one other way of attacking men. Just, just, I wish they'd stop. I wish they would provide shows on TV that are positive positive that have good men doing good things and sacrificing, where they have wisdom. I mean, Bill uh, Bill Cosby's show was great. So, yeah, I know. He, he turned out to be wacko in some of other areas and some stuff. But that show was great, a good example of good masculinity. Why don't we have more shows like that on TV? Why don't we have more stuff like that uh, showing us uh, how things ought to be? Uh, but no. So the left and the wickedness of the world promotes all kinds of bad behavior and publicizing bad behavior and then complains when people act badly. Hey, 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 hey. OK, I'm done for a bit, for a while.
0: OK, it helps if I actually unmute myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, I mean, this, this, you brought up the thing that I always found interesting is that they never want to focus on it's always attacking the masculinity, not never femininity, never attacking. And, and really what it is, is it's, it, it's an, uh, you know, a political agenda of the left to try to silence men, silence yeah. Christianity, anything that disagrees with their leftist worldview. Yeah. You know, you, well, we're seeing this whole bunch of areas, but let's, so Edison is here. I'm going to add him in. He said he has got some questions for you. And, Matt, so you remember this is uh, the fellow who is from the Philippines, from Cebu, Philippines. Okay. And uh, I should mention <clears throat> uh, snatching from the flames. i got to look for the data on this. This is uh, when Justin Peters and I will be in the Philippines. i got to find out when that is. Let's see if I can find that. Of course, I can't find it right now, but uh, we'll be both Justin Peters and myself will be in the Philippines on, um, in, in, I think May and, uh, it'd be good if I had that like right in front of me for me to, to talk about it, but we're going to be, we'll be in Cebu. Uh, we'll be in, uh, Manila for a week and then we're going to Cebu for three days. Uh, to do a discernment conference. And so anyone that's in the Philippines, you could check that out. I'll, I'll put the link somewhere on my homepage. So Edison, how you doing? Yeah, doing great. Yeah, can you hear me? Well, let's see. You're not muted. Your volume's up. Edison, you there? All right, he may have a problem with his mic. We'll do is, until when he comes in. He could let us know. We'll go to Andrew. Had, Andrew also came in. So, Andrew, what questions do you have tonight? You can unmute yourself.
1: Yeah, just unmuted. Sorry, Andrew. Um,
0: no problem, Andrew.
1: Just got to think. There might be a delay, too. Uh, Christianity is getting a bit stale. Um, the way I... Maybe the way I look at it. Um, I guess I'm trying to deal with that myself. Uh, my church has gone through a whole lot of uh, problems of its own. Um, pastorship issues, new pastor, we've got to meet and figure that one out, where we go, et cetera, with that. Um, got me considering I, my own position within Christianity and wondering whether, I'm, whether it's still viable and it's, you know, if Christian is is so viable. Uh well, vi- I wouldn't say viable, but whether I can believe it anymore.
4: Why? Because people in your church are behaving badly.
1: Uh no, just because I just see the whole—not just in my church, but in just about every other church. I just to, 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 to me, to me, the Bible. So... I you read a song, you can read about it. Uh, pretty much, quote the Bible. Oh. Um. I, just wondering, where can I go? What sources can I go to for uh, that sort well, of thing? Let me ask do you. you
4: know? Let me ask you. Let's mm-hmm. say you want to give up on Jesus. What are you going to put in place of Jesus?
1: That's the thing. I don't know. How about atheism? What do you think? Uh, I've seen my brothers. No way. They've become okay, so how hostile. About, uh How about Islam? <laughs> uh, Nabil Qureshi, uh, David Woods, uh, the way the recent debates don't want Islam, I, don't, I'd replace it with, I don't know.
4: <laughs> so, Islam is out. Uh,
1: Islam is out, definitely.
4: How about, uh, I don't know, that we evolved from uh, lower life forms of slime through incredible mutational progression, and here we are. What are you going to talk about yeah, that?
1: No, unfortunately, I know why, ev- well, fortunately, I don't buy evolution either. I can't see what, how you're, you're kind well. of stuck. You're kind of yeah, stuck. Look, I
4: know. Um, we're, we're, we're pick up, we got to pick something else for you besides <laughs> Jesus. Who's God in flesh, fulfilling the prophecies, mm-hmm. bearing your sin in his body, rising from the dead and promising to return. I mean, you got to find something better than that. Uh, I, I don't know. What are you going to do if you leave Christianity?
1: It doesn't exist, does it?
4: No. So you're looking at other churches and they're not behaving properly. Uh, so this is why you are considering giving up Christianity because people are morons? Because they don't believe what Jesus said?
1: Uh, no, not, no, 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 no. It's just that I just I just think I'm going through a, a questioning stage or a burnout stage, I think. I have been. I've been doing it for a long time. Just about every church I've been involved in. I've been in the music team. Uh I've secret I, I've totally believed that. I don't know if I want to cut it off. I I I think cutting it off is not going to be good.
4: Well let me ask you, let's say you go to church and uh you've mm-hmm. been going there faithfully and, and whatever, and they're not mm-hmm. perfect people, they they mess up, they whatever some good people, some Mm -hmm. bad people, you know, and one day to your utter incredible surprise, the pastor gets up and he he says, instead of a sermon, I got to ask questions. He Mm -hmm. says, uh, he goes, I don't believe uh, in Christianity more. I don't believe in Christ. I don't believe in this. I don't believe how many are with me and everybody's hands go up. Everybody's hands go up except yours. Mm -hmm. Would that mean that Christianity is not true? No. So what does Christianity deal with then? Deals, from my understanding, deals with sin. There you go. Are you a sinner? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's irrelevant <laughs> whether anybody <laughs> accepts or not this issue of Christianity. How well they do, and churches are not anywhere, everywhere. That's not the issue. The issue is, you're a sinner. You know that. You got to deal with that through Jesus Christ, and that's the only way. You got to. Yeah. If you're gonna, you know, what else are you gonna go to? Where else are yeah. You gonna go?
1: Exactly exactly anyway so i mean i just think i i, I just needed to thresh it out with someone <laughs> yeah well i had to do
4: the same thing to be honest uh, a few years mm-hmm. ago um i got to the point where it was just a lot of stuff going on and a lot of issues and difficulties and some things and and you know i'm constantly debating unbelievers and their reasoning and their thinking and it's it can be pretty tough and there's always spiritual attack and um i remember thinking okay you know if I give up Christianity, mm-hmm. where would I go? And I went through the same thing. Okay, evolution, pfft, not happening. Uh, atheism, <laughs> that's a joke. Islam, forget it. Uh, Mormonism, that's stupid. Catholicism, that's just traditional legalism, and I just know it's whacked. Uh, I kept going. D-d-d-d. I go, what would I give up Jesus for? You know, I went through that iteration too. Mm,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs>
4: well, There's actually that's a like that. That, that's you, yeah. Welcome to the club. Well,
1: it's the, what the, other was, the other thing I was going to say is just in relation to the toxic masculinity issue. Uh, that video before I got in there to put my dislike on there, there had been uh, uh, I think it was four hundred thousand dislikes and one point five million. Oh, sorry, four hundred thousand likes. 1.5 million dislikes. So I checked it this morning, and it's 712,000 versus 1.5 million in the video. On what? What video? There's a Gillette ad on toxic masculinity. Oh,
4: and so most people are against it or for it?
1: Uh, against. So the dislikes are outnumbering the likes, but the, the likes are catching it up slowly.
4: Well, I'm not going to buy Gillette, period. I've made that decision right away. It's not their job to do that kind of a thing. It's not their job to engineer social structures and address these things. Their job is to produce a good razor. And if they can't do it, bye. And if they're going to start preaching yeah. to me about what I ought to be doing, screw you. Uh, I'm it's going my, to wall.
1: What's that? I'm going to wall instead because Schick aren't, <laughs> aren't doing a good job either.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of social engineering from the left and the wackos and the morons who want to tell me what to believe and don't have a right to make any judgments. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Just,
1: just to put into perspective, the same person who worked on the Jolot ad also did, a, I think it was a, a female ad, ad. That was utterly hilarious too. You uh, worked on <laughs> it's
4: it's I am so tired of being preached at by the left. So tired of being uh, told what is moral, what is good, what is right by the, the uh, intelligentsia who don't even know what is right or wrong, who just lift their finger, put it up in the air and then try and decide or discover what is true or false. Yeah. Um, you know, morally, based on on their opinions and social norms and the majority vote, the idiocy of these people—they get they they assault Christian thought and then they want to pro, uh, support moral truth. Where are they getting their morals from, hmm. oh, man? No way. <laughs> yeah, just, so you know, you know, if you if you doubt Christianity, it happens, you know. But the thing mm-hmm. is. I remember my wife and I were talking about this last night. Where would we go? To what? Mm. You know? Yeah. Jesus has the words of eternal life. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that one up. You better. I don't wanna to have to come out there and slap you around and say, Stop it. You know, but
1: so- you can you can ask Dan to do it, Dan, uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan Patterson to do it if you want. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, found the verse I was looking for, John six sixty eight. So I'm going to read mm-hmm. sixty six, sixty seven, sixty eight. It, it's just it's important. As a result of his many of this, Jesus teaching about uh, um, the flesh prophets, nothing. You can not come to Him. Let's been granted Him by the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom Where shall we go? go? You yeah. have the words of eternal life. That mm-hmm. ministered to me so many times. Well, what's better than Jesus? Nothing. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. That, that uh, song jumps into my head. Where else have we to go when you alone have words of eternal life? Yeah. I mean,
4: if I wanna get replaced Jesus, it gotta be better than Jesus. Which for some reason I just don't think is possible.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. sense. Spending time with my family though, it's a case of uh I go through about a, a month of depression. Well, you know, uh it, it can happen. How old are you? Forty now.
4: Okay. So what you have to do but is look for triggers. Look for triggers mm-hmm. and make sure you're getting sleep, exercise, and good diet. Stay away from sugar.
1: Yep. Well, ironically, I also have Asperger's.
4: Okay. Yeah, I and do definitely. too. Yeah.
1: So, it's, so you, yeah, it's, it's not easy. I was diagnosed when I was uh, 22, I think.
4: Okay. My time, yeah. Well, uh, I, uh, trust me, I can relate. And uh, what I would say is what, what helped me – Because people don't understand what what you mean. I understand. Because Mm -hmm. when you don't have social skills, that's what Asperger's is, uh, among other things, uh, then when you go out and about, you're always doubting your ability to even relate properly to basically anybody. You don't know if you're saying the right thing or not saying the right thing, if you're reading them right or reading them wrong. And so what that can have an effect on you is to not do anything, to not want to go anywhere. It can cause you mm-hmm. to doubt your own sanity, not necessarily sanity, but your own ability to even communicate and relate to people. And we need people. Mm-hmm. We need that social interaction, even Aspies to do. Yeah, and so, absolutely. so the two things that I did that helped mm-hmm. me a great deal was I studied body language. Uh, Mm Um, body language is, and triggers. So body language is, I would learn, um, what people did when they were interested or not interested. I would just, I I did this when I was younger, very young. Mm -hmm. So if I'm talking to somebody, they're looking away a lot. They're not interested in what I'm saying. And so I would change a topic or ask a question about them. And it wasn't manipulation. It was just a survival methodology. And then after a while it became habitual. And now I've learned by correcting myself. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. And normal. People do that, too. I Uh, I just had to do mine more cognitively. And then triggers are those things that cause you to go into a state of depression. And so I figured, for me anyway, if you figure out what a trigger is, then what you can do is isolate the trigger and say this is simply a trigger. For me, it worked. Mm
6: -hmm. And
4: so now when I have something that that hits me, uh, you know, there's always externals and pressures. I go, that's a trigger, and it's just a trigger. And then what I do Uh is I look in the mirror and see how great I am.
1: Yeah, well, I I also found Dale Carnegie's books to help The what? Dale Carnegie? Dale Carnegie. Yeah, he has some good yeah, stuff, yeah.
4: believe it or not. Yes. Um
1: yeah, I, not, I read just, the book, uh, yeah. not just how to uh, win friends and influence people, he has another one out, The uh, Essential People Skills: Effectively Being Assertive. Try the body language stuff
4: yeah i the body language stuff I, it's when i show people i show some autistic people what i mean they go oh that makes sense and then they they get it that's yeah, why uh, whenever andrew and i are together i manipulate him all over the place and uh, he doesn't realize <laughs> it because you know he's he just.
1: yeah well i also try several help groups yeah <clears throat> and they were utterly useless. Basically what I found was the Aspie just wanted to do their interests in a different place.
4: That's what it is. And you have to realize <laughs> that you have to adapt to, to others. Most people are mm-hmm. self-centered. Most people are self-centered. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're going to want to talk about themselves. That's just nature. And, uh, anyway, let them, you know, yeah, that's great. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. All right, man. All right. So Edison has a question. I'm hearing something. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me, sir? Sorry.
0: Who had the question? Edison? because Maybe his mic's not working. Yeah, something wrong with my mic. So here's his question. Uh, Let's type it in here. Okay. In line with omniscience of God and his sovereignty, kindly explain this verse. And it's Jeremiah 19.5 that says... They have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fire of <clears throat> the fire as offering to Baal. Um, so, some, something I did not command or mention. Nor did I did it enter my mind. So, I guess he wants an explanation of Jeremiah twenty uh, Jeremiah nineteen five in light of God's omniscience and sovereignty.
4: Yeah, it's just an anthropomorphism when he says it didn't enter my mind. It has to do with the context of him speaking uh, to to people. Of course, he knows all things and he knows exactly what anybody and everybody's going to do. So when generally speaking, when he talks about that did not enter my mind, he's talking about the issue of, look, it's not something that is considered as, as being a reality or what you guys are going to be doing. And that's really what the explanation is. Uh, God will change his mind. We see in scripture, he will ask questions He already knows the answers to. For example, when he went into the garden of Adam and Eve and uh, they were hiding, Adam, where are you? He knows the answer. So he speaks anthropomorphically to people. And so when he says here, nor did it ever enter, uh, nor did it enter my mind. What's he talking about? They built the high places. And incidentally, I've been to a high place. When I was in uh, Israel, we went to near the border of Syria. We went to a high place and uh it's really not what you think i could just talk about it really fast we went through this path along this creek and we go up higher and higher and higher it wasn't like eighteen thousand feet up it was just a couple thousand feet up and it was up near the top of a of a hill and um and there was this this construction it was just made of old really old stones and it was a high place oh that's what it looks like and about as big as uh I don't know, maybe 20 feet by 40 feet, you know, something like that, 30 by 20 at range. Um, Anyway, built the high places to burn their sons and the fires burn offerings to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter my mind. And um, so uh, what commentators generally understand this to mean is that uh, it never entered his mind in the sense of something that he had desired or wanted it to happen in any way, shape or form. Uh, he hadn't commanded it he hadn't spoken of it it was not there in his mind for those things Uh, and that's that's how i I understand it
0: all right hey let me uh matt i'll give a a shout out to dennis wilson in youtube he says i'm delusional i don't know where he is
4: he's delusional himself
0: he must be because i said if he doesn't come in he's just a keyboard warrior. Uh, I love. I love how people challenge us, Matt, and tell us we're delusional and we can't win any arguments. And they don't share. Okay.
4: Mm. And are they hiding behind nicknames?
0: I don't know. It's well, Dennis Wilson could be a real name. Oh, okay. But okay. Usually they do. Usually they hide behind fake names and they don't want to give. Wait, yeah. the the Catholic guy didn't want to give his name <laughs> last week. Guess not when you were. De- on
4: <laughs> no, he he didn't want to, but he finally did. I think it was him. Yeah, he did.
0: He he, he mentioned something. something which is just a, yeah. It's polite to, rather than calm people by the, you know. Yeah, the which, what's a,
4: why are they afraid? You know, I'm asking fair questions. Come on. Let's, t- you know, let's, what's your name? You're not risking anything. Well, oh, I prefer not to say. Okay, bye. I challenge Andrew to pay for Matt's dinner. <laughs> There's no challenge. You know,
0: I I like Jason Manning. I I think he's got a good
4: idea. And it's gonna be. A, I'm gonna have to start ordering some really uh, substantial well, dinners well, here. I was gonna let you buy
0: dinner if you came to my daughter's wedding. I was more than happy to let you pay for that. You
4: know. Yeah, probably was no option to pay. Probably something was you had up your sleeve. I mean, if, you wanted,
0: if if you had ten grand laying around,
4: you know, yeah. it's not like uh-huh. you territory thing. Yeah. <sighs> Matt, pick a great restaurant. Oh, we McDonald's. Had, we
0: have picked some good ones. I got yeah, a sushi McDonald's. Yeah, we go in New York. Just saying. Okay.
4: So, okay. So now what are we going to talk about?
0: Well, let's while we wait for Dennis to to see if he's uh, well, we'll see if he's man or chicken, I guess. Um, but why don't, why don't we give a shout out to our sponsor, my pillow. Um, great pillows. Um, you can order them, uh, they, they constantly, by the way, go, you, when you get them, they usually have some deals where you can get it like two for, or four and get one free or three, get one free, something like that. But, um, I would suggest doing it because once you try it, you're going to want to replace all of your pillows or you're going to have like me, you can have one that you sleep on and one that you travel with so that you always have it in the bag because it is really that comfortable. And so if you want to get one and and sleep the way Matt and I do, because we both have them, you can call 1-800-944-5396. That's 1-800-944-5396. You can mention that you heard it on Apologetics Live. Uh, This goes to actually help support Matt Slick Live, the Matt Slick radio station, the Matt Slick radio show that is Monday through Friday. Of five days a week uh, for one hour and you can get that link. If you want to listen, those are always actually, if you want to listen to it on podcast, just do a search for Matt slick. Um, and you'll get that on podcast, but you can also go to Carm and get the number to call in. Um, and of course, Charlie is dropping the links in, in, uh, YouTube cause he's just that quick. Um, but there's a bunch of stations I forget how many radio stations now that he's on. But if that is what it goes to support. so get your my pillow and let them know you heard it here. the The thing of, of some other announcements is I mentioned the um, the snatch them from the flames. If you're in the Philippines, you can go to needgod.ph needgod.ph/slash snatch, and that's going to have the details to register for both the Manila conference and the Cebu conference. Both of them, you can register there. That will be May twenty fifth is when we'll be in uh, Manila, and May twenty eighth we will be in Cebu. Uh, so all the details are there at NeedGod dot slash snatch. And so, Matt, you've been over in, in the Philippines, and you really like that duck, uh, that duck egg, Rick. Uh.
4: Balut, Balut. Balut. I know, I know, I'm, no, I'm not having it, i not having it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
0: I, I may have to get video of me ha- eating it just to see your reaction.
4: Just a thought of it. Uh, Balut is uh, a developed, like chicken egg, duck egg, where it's the embryos developing, then you eat it at, that, at a various stages.
0: We'll have to ask Edison to type in here what he
4: thinks if it tastes good, whether <clears throat> I should try it. Yeah, it's oh. it's not good. Okay, I, I wouldn't try it. I remember, they they were coming through. I'm like, nope, not happening, not doing it. Nope, nope, nope. They're nice people there and stuff. We we rode around on mopeds a lot, and uh, um, it was fun. We had a good time.
0: All right, so Dennis still didn't show up. Uh, I'm going to add John was in here. I don't know if he has any questions, although we don't see his picture now. So. Um, that it's nasty I've
2: uh, he said I, I've seen it when I was in the Philippines yeah when I was uh, in the Navy way back in the day um, we stopped in the Philippines also and uh, yeah I, I got to uh, see somebody eat balut uh, at first and uh, it is nasty <laughs> it, it does not look good and uh, it smells awful and uh it is just disgusting. It's a it's a dead it literally is like a dead chicken inside of an egg. And what they do, they crack it open and they suck it all out. And it is gross. And you gotta move your mic. Just saying. So <laughs> you gotta you, you got any questions for Matt today? John? Um, you know, I um I, I actually called in his show, uh, his radio show earlier today and um Basically, uh, I had a question about that, and I know that we got cut off with commercials, so I don't know if he expounded on that anymore. But my question was um, about uh, the chromosomes of Jesus when it came to his um, the amount of chromosomes that he had. I heard this question uh, through another podcast, and I thought it was such a good question, mm-hmm. where um, a human being has, what, 64 chromosomes uh 32 from from the mother and 32 from the father so the question is this being that the father is spirit how did jesus inherit the 32 chromosomes from his heavenly father
4: well there aren't any 32 23 incidentally 23 okay. i'm sorry i'm 23. getting all backwards. i can't yeah. do math Right, so 23 chromosomes, and I talked about it, I think it was radio today, we talked about it, but uh, 23 came from the mother, not a problem, and that would fulfill the requirements of biological descendancy through the uh, messianic, or through uh, Jewish lines and things like that, and there's nothing wrong with God just creating uh, chromosomes or doing whatever necessary to form that, Uh, he did it to begin with, with DNA, just, there we go, DNA, bang, and uh, so there you go, he could do that, not a problem.
0: So, in other words, you're saying, yeah, you know, with Adam and Eve, there was no i mean there there was uh in their case they they didn't have human parents, so they would have had all the chromosomes that they needed
4: is your argument makes sense yeah. <laughs> just, you could have forty six to be human that's what it is, and so there you go um He's going to have 46 chromosomes, just like normal. God put this together, and that's what's going to happen. And so he got 23 from the mom, and he produced 23. Uh, Makes sense, one way or another. God, the father, doesn't have DNA, so it doesn't work. He'd have to create it. That would be the the thing.
0: All right, so, Matt, you got another article that came out uh, this week on CARM. This one may get people upset. Uh, looking at just the title of this America, the wall, president Trump and the Bible.
4: Oh, I'm triggered. Yeah. What yeah. Just saying- so everybody knows I'm, not, I did. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a constitutionalist. I did not vote for Trump. And, uh, okay. So you know, I don't, don't have any dog in this fight, but the thing is, walls are not immoral. They are stones. They are constructions. You know, the fence around my home, it's not a moral, uh, fence. You know, it doesn't uh, argue with me about morality. It's just wood. So um, it's the intention that people have for a wall. Uh, The left, the leftist, I I just, I always had to say the leftist wackos, the leftist uh, propagandists, uh, the useful idiots. Um, You should know what that phrase means from communist Russia. But... uh, the intention of the wall is the issue so my home we have an alarm system we have locks etc why because it's a form of a wall what's the purpose when well, we go to bed We lock everything up, but the alarms are on all that stuff and, um, to secure our home, to secure who is inside of the home and to separate those outside from those inside. There's a reason for that. And so it's a moral issue that I lock the door, not the lock on the door is a moral thing. It's not. It's what's the reason for me locking the door. If, people want to get into my home because they want to harm my wife and I lock the door. Well, I'm doing that to protect her. If someone wants to get in my home and, uh, well, you know, my kid wants to get in my home and, and I just like, don't like her hairdo. That's not a good reason to lock a door on her, you know, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing is, there's good and bad motives for various things that we use. The wacko leftist, uh, um, Liberals, uh, the W.L.s, wacko leftists. Um, what they'll do is, walls are immoral. We don't need walls. We don't need walls. And then they go through their gated communities behind the walls and lock their doors at night. I got a question. If uh, you know the wall for um, between uh, Mexico and America, this is a question I have for the, the, the W.L.s, the wacko leftists. Um, if the walls are bad, because they, they say walls are immoral. I've heard the phrase by the leftists. Walls are immoral. Put put a wall up is immoral. Really? Okay. Then it's immoral to have a wall. Should we tear the what's down there between America and Mexico? Should we just tear them down? I'd like to know what their answer would be. If they're immoral, they should be removed, right? But you want to destroy all that we have, and the fences and the gates and everything. And I've been through Tijuana. Well, I used to live in San Diego. And we went down to for several times i had to go down there and uh there's a there's a fence and there's gates and there's uh the border patrol and you know on both sides and so i guess the left wants us to get rid of all of that just open up the gates who cares let everybody come in and let everybody just uh you know go to our stores and not pay taxes and then go back to mexico let them uh bring drugs with them because there's no need to have a wall or, or whatever it might be to to uh the, the idiocy of walls are immoral should be obvious. Now, are there other technological systems we can use? Well, yeah, but then how efficient are they, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I wrote about it because it was in the news. And um, walls are biblical as well. And um, you know, Nehemiah built the wall, wall around Jerusalem, and things like that. But uh, there's nothing wrong with having a wall. The motivation is to protect the people behind those walls, to protect them. Not to separate us because we don't like somebody. That's not a good enough reason. We're to love uh, God and love our neighbor. But if it's to uh, set boundaries of property boundary lines, uh, walls do that. That's good. Uh, Walls keep cattle in so that our property is not uh, to be lost. That's good. Walls are there for protection. That's good. So having them is a good thing. The most part. Why would we want a wall between Mexico and the United States to prevent an invasion of illegals? Now, folks, I used to live in San Diego for close to fifteen years and put a lot of Poco for necesario que yo hablo hablo mucho trabajo en el hospital. So I had to speak Spanish and work in um in the hospital, registering patients and in and ask all kinds of things. Pregnant, you know, epitama you know you're sick and so uh I know what it means firsthand to see um illegals everywhere and uh you know it, it was it was bad uh my car was broken into uh my wife's car was stolen found by the mexican border um there was graffiti there's gangs there's drugs uh I remember working in an emergency room and um I think it was uh, 30 people in there. And I stood up and I counted how many were Hispanic. And um, I think 27 out of 30 were Hispanic. And, it, you know, they come up to me and register. And, and uh, you know, how long have you been in the country? Five years, eight years, 10 years. Are you legal? And they, would, they wouldn't answer the question. We, and I'm not going to turn them in. I'm not going to do that. They need medical attention. Absolutely. Come and get medical attention. They need that. No, not a problem. No problem. And nobody's going to turn them in. We don't want to do that. But, uh, you know, how long have you been here? You know, five years, eight years, 10 years. Do you speak English? No. Uh, and I would just look at them. You know, you know I couldn't question them, but, uh, you know, you're here. Why aren't you learning our language? Why aren't you becoming inculturated to American culture and ways? I don't understand that. If I were to go to move to France, uh, my wife speaks French. If I were to move to France, Say we're going to be there for four or five years for whatever reason. One of the first things I'm going to start to do is take uh, French as lessons. I'm going to start studying it. So first thing, I'm going to start learning the language because that's the culture, country I'm in. But what happens with the issue of the illegals is, uh, is that they come over and most of them want, you know, want, just want a better life. I don't blame them for that. Let them come in legally. But, uh, uh, you know, it's an invasion. And then the left, what they do, the wackos, they give them driver's license, they give them insurance, they give them the right to vote. Well, who are they going to vote for? They're going to vote for the leftist socialists. It's part and parcel, in my opinion, to destroying this country. If people want to come into this country, let them go through it legally. Let them do it according to the laws, we're a nation of laws. Then no problem whatsoever. Come on in, just do it legally. Let them be vetted, and that's another reason is they need a vet who's coming across our borders. We know who they are. And a lot of people don't know, but they're now finding prayer shawls or prayer rugs uh, on our side of the border now on the unguarded areas. That means Muslims are coming in and we don't have to talk about how bad the potential is for that, why they would be wanting to come in. We know what's going on there.
0: You know, Matt. One of the things that my uh, my next door neighbor has a guy. He does his landscaping. He's from Mexico, yeah. and he is very much against the illegal immigration. Why? Because, and he's told told me that many of the Mexicans are against the amnesty and everything. Because here he is. He, he can't bring his wife in. He can't bring his kids in legally, like he came in, because they have too many illegals that are coming in. And so here he is. He's been separated from his family. He goes back every every couple months to see his family, uh, and he can't bring them into America. He's trying to work to to provide a living for them. He can't bring them in legally because there's he said there there's too many illegals here. And so you know it, it was very, he had a very interesting perspective being someone from Mexico that was against it and. I think the real issue is if you have people that are going to come into a country that believes in uh, basically having a more open borders. And this is the difference with America and Europe. Europe has a welfare system. And so they had closed borders. Wherever you go in Europe, there's, the borders are closed. It's very strict immigration because they have a welfare system. We had an open system but we had capitalism we didn't have welfare now that we're moving into a more of a welfare system we can't keep having the open borders the, because what ends up happening is what we're seeing we people who come in because they can live on the welfare system better than they do where they are and not have to do anything and that's the one thing you see around the world is that you don't have a country that has both a welfare state and an open border America is in this strange situation and you have people who are coming in to take advantage of that. And, you know, here's an interesting thing that happened when, uh, uh, who was it? I think when, when I'm trying to remember who was the Republicans in office, but, but when Barack Obama was president, there was, he wanted an immigration bill and the Republicans came up with the exact same bill, except for one thing, the one thing they did for the amnesty bill was that the, the people who got amnesty would never be allowed to vote. Everything else, they agreed with what Barack Obama had, and he vetoed it. So it tells you what they're really about. What they really want is, yep.
6: you know, they're
0: looking to get uh, to get that. Uh, Josh, yep. We got Josh who just came in. Um, I, don't see, I don't see a picture for him, but you're, you're now in if you want to unmute yourself sounds like you did. Do you have any questions here, Josh?
3: Uh yeah, I was just wanting to ask a little bit about where it's, uh it says in scripture about how we need to be able like to stand or be in the presence of God and I guess it's part of justification that we need to have uh the righteous merit uh imputed to us and is like um, before uh, sinning and 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 falling like how is there um, a merit that you have that you don't need imputed to you okay I don't even understand
4: what you're asking you're, you're going slowly different directions as a gigantic question with all kinds of different aspects so I'm not sure I can
3: no, I just what I was wanting to know is where um which I, I believe in uh the imputation, but I just kinda wanted more uh scriptures where it says that uh part of justification is to be uh having uh righteousness imputed. Uh, like okay. where in scripture does it does it um show that and like you know Did what's in the necessity righteousness? Of that? Yes. Go to
4: Philippians three nine. We have a righteousness that's not our own. The righteousness comes from God through faith in Christ. And we need to be justified. Uh, justification is a legal standing before God, and we are justified before God by faith. Romans three twenty eight. Romans four five. Romans five one. Galatians two sixteen. Galatians two twenty one. So the Bible talks about various verses of justification and righteousness before God, and so we we uh, we need to have that and. Um, uh, Philippians three nine says we have a righteousness that's not our own, and so there you go. That those would be the words, the verses, some of the verses that would be used for that.
3: Okay, and so like, um, like before the fall, <sharp inhale> there there was a righteousness that mankind had. that Well, it was his own, or
4: they they had not fallen, they had not violated anything that God had said, so I guess you could say in a sense they were righteous. Uh, according to the law of God, because they had not violated, I oh, guess my mouth here, they had not violated the, the law of God at all. So they had a natural standing of, of, of being right before God. Once they sinned, that was not no longer the case. And then since we cannot, um, satisfy the requirements of the law, Deuteronomy 27:26 says the standard is perfection. And, and Paul reiterates that in Galatians 3:10. but, um, uh, then we have to have the only way to achieve perfect righteousness is the perfect righteousness of Christ imputed to us, reckoned to our account. And uh, that's what we
3: say. Mm. Yeah, that kind of uh, clears things up, I guess.
4: If sin is breaking the law of God, first John three, four. So when we sin and we've
3: violated a clean law. Slates, and having a clean slate before God is not enough. You have to have merit, right?
4: It's a Catholic way you're saying things. Um, we have the righteousness of God imputed to us by faith. And therefore, uh, because of that, then we're, we uh, will escape his righteous judgment.
3: Okay. And you, uh, uh, and that includes the uh, imputation of the act of obedience?
4: Do I have any clues?
3: No, does that include that? Because I know some people, I don't hold to that.
4: The act of obedience of Christ is his uh, fulfilling the law. His passive obedience uh, was being led to the cross where he let himself, uh, did that. Now, 1 Peter 2.22 says that he never sinned. So everything that Jesus did was perfect. And uh, there we go. So I'm not sure what else to say? And I'm sure I understand your question.
3: Um, that was pretty much it. It was just like clar- clarifying about that. Cause I know there's a lot of people that uh, don't uh, view what justification as just uh, the expiations of sins, but that it's also uh, be- that God requires there to be, um, Uh, a perfect merit.
4: Well, that's heresy. That's Roman Catholicism. Right. That's a heresy. And the perfect merit is a stored merit, grace kind of warehouse in heaven that the Roman Catholics disseminate at their discretion upon people. And uh, it's ludicrous.
3: Yeah. And I was uh, uh, reading that, Uh, the Aquinas Thomas Aquinas said I don't know if he introduced that but he was basically lost you Christ you hear me yeah Yeah. oh the death of you know like the death of Christ was for original sin and then uh, personal sins were um, atoned through penance
4: yeah, that's a, a flaming doctrine of the devil.
3: But yeah. do they still believe? Like, do they still believe? Because I know Thomas Aquinas introduced that, like you know, the blood of Christ co- covers your original sin.
4: Yeah, that's that's yeah. a flaming load of.
3: They still believe that smoldering
4: okay. load of crap. That's, sorry, that's sorry. Oh I, yeah, it, it, is. it is. It's just it's just a it's a heresy. As Catholicism uh, run amok. Um what are those commercials? They have those people, uh, whatever. Um, it's just bad theology all over the place. And, um, you know, original sin is removed, and then you have to keep yourself right with God by your performance and penance in the Roman Catholic Church. Give me a stinking break. Go to, go right, to I
6: think church.
3: about, Church. Yeah, I think the thing about, like, penance is that from man's perspective, the sin is so much more uh, offensive to God than it is to man it, himself. And so, Oh yeah,
4: absolutely. That's why it costs. It's not it's
3: offensive. So uh, when you realize that then, or I was reading something about, um, it was about like the satisfaction theory of atonement or, or no substitution, but um. You get to the point where you offended God, and then um, you have you have a debt to pay. But and then also not just having the debt to pay, but not being able to pay that debt in time, and so that's adding on to it and uh, making it even more of a offense. Not being able to, you know what I mean? Like the time is
4: worse. I haven't seen that per se like that in scripture. But, uh, any sin separates us from God because, uh, sin is just, that's what sin does. Just lost. need to be right with God, and the Roman Catholic system of salvation is apostate, false, damnable, evil, antichrist doctrine. I made myself clear. I get a kick out of when people say to me, Catholics say, Matt, I can just see the day when you're going to become a Roman Catholic. Yeah, right.
0: Anyway. Josh, are you are you a Roman Catholic?
3: No, I'm not. I'm not at all. What church do you go to? Uh, it's just a uh, Bible. It's like a Bible church. But it's basically right. non-denominational, but it's, uh, mo- it's just monergistic, which it's is pretty much what matters to me.
4: Well, good for you. I'd recommend go to CARM and read up the articles in Christian theology on justification, imputation, salvation, things like that, and uh, study up on it, you know? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, Charlie's dropped a couple links in here uh, on some of those things. Good. Yeah, Charlie's pretty so, good. He's quick with
4: that that Charlie yeah, guy. He's, he's you. pretty slick. No, that's you.
1: Hey,
0: Matt, do you see Dennis in here yet? Dennis? Yeah, the guy that said that he can prove that I'm delusional. I don't
4: see him in there. There's no proof necessary for that.
0: <laughs> how about how about those Catholics that said that uh, they can cream you in a debate? Where are they?
4: Uh I don't know. They're getting in line <laughs> to creaming a yeah. debate. I
0: don't know. So. All right, so let's see. Cat's here. Cat, you get any questions for Mister Slick? Still don't know why she has a, a hmm. smiley hand.
5: Wait, that's the Cheshire Cat. It's a tattoo. Not just a. Drawing, anyways, I think, hmm, deep philosophical, theological questions. Matt, have you ever had a discussion with um, Brian Head Welsh of um, Corn, and about his walk uh, with God and coming, turning away from his sin and giving his life to God?
4: No, I would love that. I'd love that. I know, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah, I, I don't know him. Use porn but... as therapy. I actually
5: use it as a therapy. Yeah, Dead I heard there. that. Yeah, it's it's good music. I think that's the kind of music I like. But it's hard to find great Christian bands with the kind yeah. of sound. But there I are know, some I good ones out there, spoken and such. But anyways, um, which yeah, is that's porn song? Uh it's I don't <sighs> clown.
4: <laughs> see, you see, I'm all bottled what, up inside.
5: Yeah,
0: corn it's fair. clown clown. Corn, corn is what Matt does when I'm in his car and he wants to torture me. That's what corn is. He, he <laughs>
4: <Yeah. does laughs> corn. That is not true. You, no know, you know that I don't I don't uh I, I say hey I don't wanna, I'm not gonna listen to anything in the car. I don't want anybody else to hear what I hear because I don't want to force them to do that. Everybody else has horrible taste of music. I wanna want to hear what they say, what they want. <laughs> right. You, I think I mean, I see like Celtic stuff like that, or something with bagpipes and guys that are walking backwards with harmonicas in their pockets. I don't know. he's got some weird ideas.
0: Matt literally <laughs> listens to like country music. that's, that's no, it's not I happening
4: that's I, not was the, no I was no enjoying no the B52 today it. though you guys like the B52s?
5: Oh yeah, yeah. I I didn't. Yeah. You know, oh, and awesome. Fieldy, I have to call out Fieldy too from Corn because because bo- uh, Brian was witnessing to Fieldy, and Fieldy turned his life away from sin to God as well.
4: See, I'd like to meet these guys for two reasons. One is because I, you know, I can tell them, look, guys, I have autism, and I use your music as therapy. It's really helped me a great deal, and that's I'm sure they probably go, what
5: is that and a challenge? Because I'll try thing, to what's that? I'm sorry, go on.
4: I was going to say no, Go, thing on, is, go, on, go on. Let me teach you theology. Let me teach you about the Christian faith. That's what I'd say. Let me just teach you. That's Let me just sit there and answer so awesome. questions. So it sounds, like Kat, a-
0: it sounds like Kat is taking up the challenge that she's going to get them on here so that you I can. I don't know uh, them.
5: Yeah, I don't know them. I don't know anything. But see, back when I was uh, just out of high school, underage, I shouldn't brag about this. Um, But I was challenged by a radio station to uh, go into a nightclub in Hollywood where all these people were coming in for some big premiere of a magazine. And um, I was nobody, didn't work for the station or anything, just a fan of someone who's going to be there. And I took that up and I went in and I met so many celebrities that night. Oh, my goodness. So I'm like a facilitator in my life with the kids and Girl Scouts. Let me see if I can facilitate this. This is a good challenge.
4: Yeah, I would love to. Uh, to I went to it. My first concert ever, rock concert ever, was Corn and Rob Zombie.
5: I love that. Right. Oh, wow.
3: That's not normal. I'm just saying. This is, <laughs> was What's it that? Rob Zombie or White Zombie? Re- Rob.
5: I've seen them both. Thank you very much.
4: Definitely was Rob Zombie. And uh, it was a blast. We went with our daughters. And I know that legalistic Christians, Matt Slick and me, me, me. Like, oh, I just wanted to go have fun. And I did. And it was a great time. That's all.
5: It was. It was. Well, not was that I was really with you, bad. but when I went.
4: What's
0: that? I said with really bad music.
4: Oh, it was a lot of fun. And people were it's great. And it was just a good time. And, uh, just enjoyed ourselves. And
3: so it was went nice. to launch pitch. you're not going to get that in Idaho though, right? It was in Idaho. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah.
4: Yeah. Like four miles from me. And, uh, so I could tell them he's... that, you know, I could tell the first, there you go. Rock I ever went to was corn Rob zombie. When they were here, I use their music for therapy and, um, uh, I want to teach them theology.
5: I've not heard his full testimony but just the snippets. Oh, my gosh, it's so inspiring just to see, you know, everybody's out there in the limelight and just just that celebrity status that affects you when they turn to God and you're like, "What?" Wow.
4: Oh,
0: yeah. All right, so Matt, we got a question coming in from YouTube from Tulip Doctrines of Grace. So I know you okay. you love his name right off the bat, but here's a, an autism question for Mr. Slick. Are you able to form and maintain friendships in real life? Are you able to interpret facial expressions and body language? In parentheses, hope the question doesn't sound mean.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I have a uh, several friends. I don't need as many friends as a lot of people do. And we, you know, you had the same friend I do since you've been out here. Nathan uh, is a good friend of mine. And, um, uh, He has issues similar to mine, and we don't need to talk to each other every day. Uh, But when we get together, uh, we're like brothers. And um, uh, I trust him with the life of my family, and he trusts me with the life of his family. So we're close. Uh, And then I have uh, more, you know, other acquaintances. You know, there's Chad Prigmore. We're friends, and uh, he's a pastor here, and we've done things together and uh, stuff like that. And then you're my friend. Real life, we meet every now and then um and stuff. So well, it's no problem. I, I maintain friendships.
0: I think uh and, and yeah, you know, he mentions the the um facial expressions. I mean one of the things that helps you is seeing people's facial expressions. Yeah. People may not realize this. Right. Uh, when yeah. people come in here and they don't put their camera on, it's harder for you. I I mean yeah. this is the thing that you have those who are your friends who are close to you have learned how to how to read you and you learn how to read them um like we know like we go to a restaurant i could tell if the restaurant's going to be a hard place for you to sit in right because we've just we've been in those c- scenarios
4: being able to see that and i think well, that well, let me ask you about that because we i don't like you know it's not about me and all this things, but you know this has come up okay so you've seen me in different situations right and so tell people what I have to go through and what it's like. And, and to be honest, everybody, uh, Andrew, we, we tease each other. We insult each other, but Andrew's very good about being very accommodating. Uh, you know, he understands and that's where I appreciate that. But at any rate, you seen me in some situations, right. Where I've had problems, right.
6: Yeah.
0: I mean, we, you know, you have, uh, you and I had both have issues clearly, but they're a little different, but we both have one thing that, that we do have in common when we go to restaurants. Uh, you, you, we go to a restaurant, especially if it 's playing a lot of music um, if there 's a lot of people talking at a table you you
4: have trouble filtering it all i can 't process and, it all. I have to leave yeah
0: yeah where like for me, you know I hear conversations that are going on around and and this is a thing people don 't i think always recognize. But when you're like with Nathan or or me, we go out to a restaurant, and we've we've had this where we have a lot of people at a table. I, I remember sitting at we had maybe eight, twelve people at a table, and Nathan and I were both there. You were at the other end of the table from me, but I was able to quickly just look at Nathan. We both looked at each other, and and basically there were like four or five different conversations going, and we can see that you were someone was trying to talk to you, and you were shutting down. And Nathan and I just kind of quieted the the conversations. I think Charlie was there. He also just quieted down. And, you know, because we, we those of us who know you and have been with you a lot, we, we understand. Um, and that you do focus on facial expressions. That's really, I think, the main way for you, how you can read people. Because there's times where, you know, if you can't see their face, you have a harder time interpreting what they're trying to say.
4: Yeah, I do. It's a, it's a, it becomes harder. I'm, I'm better at tones now too, but, but yeah, you know, we've been in places where it's just too much. I carry my earplugs. Even Nathan will carry earplugs uh, for me because sometimes I'll forget them and I'll get overloaded. And you see me ever see me do this, right? Where I'm sitting there, close my eyes and put my fingers in my ears because I'm getting overloaded. In fact, that's the phrase I'll say with everybody is, um, I'm getting overloaded and everybody understands and they just know that it's nobody's fault. It's nothing. It's just I can't process it all. I have to, uh, things have to change or I have to leave and, um, that's it. And, uh, so I usually I'll just extricate myself and I don't want to, I don't want to ruin anybody else's time and, and stuff. That's You're not what I there for. Yeah,
2: for folks and who I don't. I overloaded
4: my car once. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yes. What happened there? I, I remember that one.
2: Uh, you were we were. I picked you up at the at the airport. And we were just leaving, and I decided to try to have Google Maps on at the same time. Try to have some music on while you were in the passenger side, and we got heavy on traffic, and you just kind of said. Uh, too much. <laughs> and so I had to shut down everything. So,
4: <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. I feel bad about stuff like that, but everyone else can handle it. I, I can't handle it, and that's just what it is. But anyway, someone asked about the autism stuff and what it is, and those say, are some of the, the stuff. You,
0: none, you really try hard, Matt, to not have anybody feel uncomfortable with the issues you have. You, always, I mean, you always end up feeling bad about it when – things happen. And none of us that at least know you well, never, I mean, we're, we try to accommodate, we know who we know you, we know the issues. And so it's, it's never an issue for us, but you know, it would be a thing for folks who don't know who meet you for the first time. They get all excited to meet you and they don't Mm -hmm. even know. And I've seen that that's actually the hardest thing for you. I think is when you meet someone for the first time and you're, you're, you don't know them, they don't know you and they're so excited and yet you start getting overloaded and it becomes like too much. And that's, that's the fun. thing. Um, you know, another thing, you know, um, you're not a big hugger because of that, <laughs> you, you know, touch and things like that with people with, with autism and, and, and all's can be an issue. Um, and, and so you just have a more of a sensitivity.
4: Yeah. That reminds me, there's a story. I don't tell it very often, but when I was in the Philippines, um, the Philippines, you're going to notice this when you go to the Philippines, it's just noisy. Period. Their idea of quiet is, uh, 60 decibels. Um, it's seriously, it's just incredible. And so we're in a van and I'm sitting behind the driver and he's honking the horn and he didn't speak English. We had an interpreter there who was working with us. He's a great guy, a pastor. And, uh, And so he's honking the horn because that's what you did. You just honked the horn and he had his radio on. And then the guy in the front seat is having a conversation with a guy behind me and two guys behind left were having conversations. And I also have 80 decibel ringing in my ears and it was road noise. And so there was a sound that was coming up and uh, I started, I I actually literally at one point had my fingers in my ears and I was rocking back and forth. I did not want to ruin the the trip for anybody. You know, we're going to go to a, um, another Island and we're going to go to a ferry. And I, I was really struck. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try the best I can, the best I can, the best I can. And, um, uh, I did this for about 20 minutes, which is the most I've ever had to endure ever in a situation like that. And I can still remember the van very, very, uh, clearly. And, uh, I broke and, um, couldn't help it. And, um, I said, "Guy, get out of the van, Guy, get out of the van. I I was, going into shock and so uh they they well, go like i gotta get out and i was panicking and uh they, they pulled over really fast and i got out and i started running back to the hotel like 10 miles because i was gonna i just you know wasn't thinking clearly and uh, ran about 200 feet and then you know there was this wall i remember this wall i sat down on the wall and started crying i mean heaving crying like a baby and, uh, this guy comes out of the van and they already knew I had a couple sound issues because something had happened three days earlier, three or four days earlier, when I was at a mall and it was just too much. They're just so incredibly noisy and I, and I had to extricate myself. So anyway, uh, he comes out and, uh, he puts his hand on my uh, shoulder and, uh, and he saw that I was sweating and I was cold. And he said to me, Matt, you're in shock. And I, I it took me 10 or 15 minutes to come out of it enough. To be able to function, so I, I went into shock from too much sound, and uh, then no one in the van would talk. <laughs> Come on, guys, say something! I felt so bad, but that's what that's a true story. It's, uh, how about that? It's what it is?
0: you know it's it's something that uh, yeah. Look, every every we all have differences, um, and we all struggle. Actually, I'll, I'll give a plug. Uh, for a conference we're going to be having here in New Jersey. Justin Peters, Frank Mullis, Colleen Sharp from Theology Gals, all going to be speaking. Colleen's going to do a a ladies' breakout. Um, And what you end up with, is we're dealing with the issue of sanctification through suffering. It's going to be in Freehold, New Jersey. Uh, The dates for that are March 15th, 16th, and you could go... Should be a way to find it. I think it's Striving for Eternity. Let's see. If we go to Striving for Eternity slash conference on or conference dash on dash suffering. So conference on suffering. It's called the Sanctification Through Suffering Conference. Um, And so we're going to be dealing with issues because, you know, the reality, Matt, you're, you're a little bit more open with the struggles that you have than most people are. But a lot of people, when they struggle, they struggle alone. They are ashamed right. of, of the fact that they're struggling. They're ashamed of the fact that they're um, feeling like they're different than other people. And and yet the reality is, is that every one of us is going to struggle in different ways. And your your struggle is going to be different than mine. And, and you know, and, we, you and I can be in the same exact situation, but I can't understand how, what it's like for you to go through that. You can't understand what it's like for me to go through it because we, we really do suffer alone because we're different people.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, so is, it gives you more compassion and sympathy for people. When people say they have little issues, I just smile. and go, no sweat, man. I'm with you. Gotcha. No sweat. No judgment on anything. Yeah, it's, I got
1: you. Welcome to the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can say the same thing. I've had people approach me at church, particular one girl, she started talking to me and the other one came in. I think they crowded me. I felt my guards go up automatically. There was nothing I could do about it, and I just couldn't talk to her.
4: Right. And so what you have to do in a situation like that is, is rehearse it in your mind, a better way to react And it takes a long time to to rehearse, but you do that. And then you have to teach yourself how to focus on something else and deal with it. And so one of the things you can do is, at least what I'll do, I don't look people in the eyes. I look at their mouths and read their lips. I practice doing that. And um, then what I'll do is, is depending on the situation, I might take half a step backwards. And thats I'm showing them that their conversation is good. That's okay. And then if they want me to talk any further, they'll look at me. And then... um, you know, it's a, it's a, a struggle for, uh, for Aspie's. It really is. Yeah,
1: it, it it took me a long time. When she was walking away, I finally realized I did something wrong.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, and you know it also is good is to have friends who know you and love you and they're so to speak, regular normals. And you just say, Hey, when I do something that's not quite right, just tell me that's why yeah. I have friends like that. And, and uh, my wife and I would do that, you know, we'd be coming home from someplace and she'd give me pointers. And, well, when you, when you kick the guy in the nuts for no reason, that was not a good thing. It wasn't, you know, and she would, uh, she'd point out some things.
5: <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: there, there was a time that almost happened
4: for real. There
0: was a time at the the Mormon temple. Uh, so, hey, let's. Uh, oh, oh, man. Yeah. So I'm going to add in uh, our friend here uh deacon joseph he is the uh, i think he was eastern orthodox i think it was but you can unmute um, yourself bad. if you have any questions for matt
6: yeah no I, actually i was kind of invited on um and i was planning on calling anyway um but for some reason we scheduled our show a half hour later so
0: you were invited on by who
6: uh, i guess well the last two weeks have been interesting. A lot of people have told me how much I suck, and one of them was telling me this uh, yesterday. He he came on today and said, "Well, Matt's talking about the Dadache the didache and Saint Polycarp and he's attacking the Orthodox in general." I said, "Look, I was going to come on anyway, but I don't know. Okay, fine, whatever." So, but um, yeah, so I'm here a little later than I wanted to be. I actually had my own purpose in calling back, um. So that's, uh, you know, but that was because I didn't, there were some things that I didn't uh, do too well, but um, not too well. I just didn't answer, and I feel I should have. Okay, well, do
3: you, um, you have
0: a question for Matt?
6: Well, well, I'm curious as to what the Orthodox discussion was earlier. Maybe I can help.
4: We didn't have one today. Yeah, we didn't have one.
6: So there was no discussion of the Dadaqi or Polycarp of morning.
4: Oh, we were. Someone said... A casual comment Someone said that the didache demonstrates Catholicism or something like that. So I, I got it. Not really.
6: It, 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 it definitely demonstrates apostolic tradition, but there's, I mean, there, where's the Pope? There's no Pope in it or anything like that.
4: Yeah. There's no Pope. There's no Eucharist. There's no Mary. There's, you know.
6: There's a, technically but, a Eucharist in there.
4: No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I mean, the way the Catholics would, would say it. Oh, uh, yeah, it's in it? there, yeah
6: that's that well that was a yeah no i would agree with that i mean it doesn't it mentions you know the proper form of a baptism things like that yeah, there's a, there's some good stuff in there yeah there is it's it's, yeah. it's really a, one of my my favorite line of this and this is one of the in my opinion now andrew you're of, you're of a jewish uh, background correct yes Okay, one of the coolest things I find in the Didache, um, where I always pronounce the Didache, but I guess it, Didache would be proper English, uh, more properly English. Um, but it's uh, the Didache where it says eight one, and it says, "And let not your fasting be with the hypocrites, for they fast on the second and fifth day of the week, but keep your fast on the fourth and on the preparation, the sixth day." So now, obviously, when they're saying the hypocrites, they're referring to um, they're referring to the Jews who did not believe, because they are Jews who do believe and so they're kind of switching the days of the fast to Wednesday and Friday from Monday and Thursday um, so I thought that that's to me that's one of the most interesting things in it because of the fact that you can see hmm. it. there's a, they kind of like are like, well we have to keep the, we're keeping the fast but we're not going to keep it with you we're going to do it on Wednesday obviously in, in recognition of the you know the day of the betrayal and the day of the crucifixion um, as to the Monday Thursday I don't know why that is you probably do but I don't <sighs>
0: And where was that in Did- Didache?
6: That's in uh, the chapter Didache. Eight. That's uh, eight, uh, chapter
4: 8. Yeah, I'll put pl- post it in here. Yeah, oh, so yeah, hold on here. Let it's your a- fast... i got it. on the side. Let uh, them uh, not in hang out thing? Oh, there, yeah. For
0: great. they will fast the second and fifth day of the week.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that was like the Jewish practice. And I looked it up, and apparently it's in some Jewish encyclopedia, like during certain fast oh. periods, and they, they do that sort of thing. And I never knew that. But apparently... That, I know about Wednesday and Friday, we do that, but I never knew that there was a switch over from, like, you could see the direct change. It's kind of interesting. But, um, yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Now, they prove
4: anything, but it is interesting.
6: No, well, it's, I'm not trying to prove anything.
4: You know, I don't know where you were. It's just there's no, what do you do with it? There's nothing really to do with it, but it is interesting.
6: Well, you fast on those days. <laughs>
4: So,
0: Matt, we didn't deal with this earlier, but for folks who don't know what the Didache is, why don't you explain what the Didache is and why we we do see it as valuable when we discuss Christianity?
4: Yeah, I would help my wife here for a second. I can keep talking to you while I'm going to just do one thing, like 30 seconds. but Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's
0: what's the what's the purpose or the value? Oh
6: yeah, let me. me, uh, I can tell you a little about it. The Didache is a first century document, often referred to as the teachings of the Holy Apostles, and so it was kind of like um, a collection of saying. It was kind of a collection of oral traditions that were occurring at the time. Very interesting ones um, that helped uh, kind of establish things that were going on in the early church. For example, um, we can see that by the second century. Um, they were following uh, They were following the psalmist dictates to pray seven times a day. But here in the Dedicate, you can see they're still following the Jewish tradition of doing it three times. So, you know, there's you can start beginning to see the kind of, like, separation of the Christian church from the Jewish temple. Um, and so that's really what it kind of records down. It's these early practices. Yeah. Some of them are very interesting. Yeah,
0: so, so where, okay. where this becomes a helpful thing for folks when we look at we, – we get – Basically, kind of the instructions that they would have had in the early church. Uh, it's not. It's not part of the canon. It's not part of the Bible, but right. it's it's helpful. It's it's, it's no different than uh, I would say um, for the Jewish people, the, the writings of the Maccabees. It's yeah. it's history, but it's not the Bible.
6: Well, this is one of the things that um, I kind of was. Uh, I kind of had. Uh, I've been on this Protestant, Orthodox, and Catholic debate forum. And one of the things that I kind of had to explain because I realized that I was not totally clear in the past, and we talked about the Maccabees, Andrew. And one thing that I, I should make clear is that these the early writings that were approved by the church and the and the the dedicate would have been one of them um, helped to relay tradition, even if they're not considered canonically part of the Word of God. And so they're still we still value them. And so, like, in other words, a person who doesn't value the books of the Maccabees, because I'm not even going to lie, there are there were Orthodox. I mean, look at Saint Jerome, who rejected the Greek canon initially, and then eventually, in old age, came around to it. But the point is, he still respected the other books; he just didn't know if they should be included in the uh, in the text of the church.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of books and things that we could see as valuable. I, I think Matt and I would agree when it comes, you know, we we could agree that you know. You, we have books of the Bible. We have sections in a lot of Bibles that are put in, like archaeological information, maps. Yeah. That, that that's helpful enough for Mormonism. They they wouldn't have a map, right, Matt? They, yeah. Mormonism doesn't have maps in the Book of Mormon, do they?
6: They actually, I think they made up a map. They made up some maps in some of them. Well,
4: they have uh, drawings of an ancient papyri,
6: which is, <laughs> is weird. and they're hieroglyphics that look really authentic.
4: Yeah, reformed hieroglyphics and uh yeah, it's, it's it's a debacle but anyway. Yeah.
6: Anyway, um so yeah, no, I would agree that it does not prove catholicism. There's nothing in there that proves catholicism. I would say that it, you know, it demonstrates, you know, proper orthodox Christian practice, but you know, I mean this for you certainly wouldn't see praying to Mary because for all we know she was alive when it was written. So, you know, it, it that wouldn't make sense. But um in any case, one of the things is uh, what was it going to. So that was really the main purpose of me coming so on.
0: So, Joseph, do you have any? Because we got about fifteen minutes. So you got you have a question or topic of discussion?
6: Yeah, actually, I do. I do. Um, and this is from this actually came from I was listening for the, to the last part of the debate with the Roman Catholic uh, last week, and uh, I I had a question for Matt, and then he brought something up, and maybe you guys can help me with this covenant sign. What is that?
4: When you get married, you make a vow with your wife. You make a promise. A covenant is a pact or an agreement between two or more parties. It's a verbal, verbal, written uh, statement of commitment. And usually a covenant has uh, stipulations with rewards and punishments. And so uh, if you and I were to make a covenant that I'm going to mow your lawn uh, for 10 bucks, uh, Well, yeah, five, I,
6: I understand that. But okay. I'm trying the sign thing, the covenant sign. Because you said that, and I was like, what is a covenant sign? So I tried to type it, and I only found a couple of Mormon sources on it. So I know that's not it.
4: Um, so, so what do you so a covenant sign is a representation of that covenant. So my my wedding ring here is a covenant sign. It's a sign, public manifestation of the covenant that I made with my wife. And she has a, a ring. And so what we're doing is di- displaying our covenant commitment to one another that way. So the rainbow is a covenant commitment of God. Uh, circumcision is a covenant sign as well and things like that. And baptism, I believe, is a covenant uh, sign, is it, is he not equated 100%, but it's related to um, uh, circumcision in Colossians 2, 12, and 13.
6: So you would say that uh, then the water in baptism is kind of a visible sign, would you say that, of what is really happening? Uh,
4: yeah. Um, apparently, God the pattern of God is to always have a sign with a covenant. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm Presbyterian, because I believe that uh, a covenant is can be made between a parent and God regarding their their children, and that they can dedicate their children to the Lord. But that's a covenant, and to be biblically consistent, you need a sign. What would be the sign? It seems to be that the early church practiced infant baptism, and there's some debates on it. But it seems to be that that was kind of normative, and um, and so I hold to that, but not because of the tradition, and not because of that, but because of I see it as being a biblical thing because the Abrahamic covenant was commanded to have children in it. And the Abrahamic covenant, uh, Genesis twelve three, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. is quoted by Paul in Galatians three, eight. And he calls, he says it's the gospel. So therefore the Abrahamic covenant still uh, for today and children were commanded to be in that Abrahamic covenant. So therefore the children need to be in the covenant today. And because otherwise you have to find something in the new Testament that excludes them from the same Abrahamic covenant. And uh, if that's the case, then what's the sign? And it seems to be, I don't have all the bugs worked out yet, but it seems to be that baptism is a replacement of the covenant sign of circumcision because of the blood shed in the Old Testament fulfilled in the new and uh, in Christ. And so, therefore, the covenant sign has changed. Now, to be honest, I think there's a little bit of inconsistency with some of my views on that. Why would it be a covenant sign change? Because I don't see that normally in Scripture. And uh, exactly what is the baptism representing? And I haven't worked that out yet either. And, um,
6: now, um, I have a question that leads me to another question. Now, Andrew, I don't know how you feel about covenant signs. You, are you on board with this?
4: No, I would have a
0: different view than that.
6: Okay. the The reason I asked this is because I was fascinated by it, um, and I'll tell you why I was fascinated by it. Um, and I'm not going to. Here's no, I don't do gotcha moments or anything like that. But it got me thinking about uh, Saint Augustine because he refers to an outward, invisible sign of an inward and invisible grace as a sacrament. Now, based on what I'm hearing, it sounds like this covenant sign is effectively a mystery or a sacrament. And since baptism and marriage were both listed, would I consider would I be correct in this understanding?
4: I'm not sure I followed you.
6: In other words, if there is an inward grace, but an outward sign, St. Augustine describes that as a sacrament. That would be basically the Orthodox teaching of what a sacrament is. Different terminology, but it sounds like it's basically the same thing.
3: Well,
4: the problem is with the term inward grace. In Catholicism, grace is like a substance that's infused, and they can say an inward grace. Oh, I don't care about
6: Catholicism. I'm just talking about, I don't mean infused grace, or I mean grace of God, like real
4: grace. Yeah. So the undeserved kindness of God is certainly manifested all over the place and but a covenant sign isn't the manifestation of the of that uh, per se a covenant sign is a manifestation of a promise
6: okay well that's that's what the word sacrament means it means oath and it would be referred to between god and man.
4: well that's fine
6: um i think it's a perfectly
4: in that sense
6: yeah and so would you consider the like the eucharist a covenant sign yes okay all right well so okay so so far we've got baptism the eucharist and marriage which is like
4: oh, no, no, I don't. I don't consider marriage to be a a, a sacrament in that sense.
6: What a covenant sign! Well,
4: there's all kinds of covenant signs. When I see a rainbow, you know, it doesn't. It's not a sacrament. It's a covenant that, sign.
6: Well, the, okay. okay. Well, that's uh, okay. That was uh, that was my main question. Um, only because of the fact that one of the things that I was not very complete with you guys is on um, was uh, the question of how does one become a Christian, live a Christian life, and I guess die a Christian. I got up to baptism and then we got sidetracked. Um, We've just mentioned the Eucharist. We mentioned marriage. Chrismation, which is part of the baptism, Uh, and then, you know, holy orders, and uh, you have, I don't know if you guys have, do you have, like, healing of the sick, like the anointing of the sick and stuff like that?
4: Yeah, we anoint people.
6: Okay, that's good, so that's covered. Um, Yeah, so Basically, so, yeah, it comes it comes back down to the uh, the question of ordination and hierarchical structure. Um, Just so
4: you know, within Reformed theology, there are discussions of what's called the two sacraments, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Right, that I do know. And there's discussions on the depth and the means and the extent to which participation in those affects the person. Yeah. And so I would say, yeah, there's an effect. Uh, I don't hold to the idea of, of for example, of... Um, The lord's supper as being just a symbolic sign and i certainly don't hold to the roman catholic position of it's an infusion of grace and things like that i reject that so my and and lutheranism has a view if i remember correctly where there's it's actually a means of grace where grace occurs to you because of that sign and that's where i get a little bit uh, cautious because i don't want to have a formula for grace if I do this, then I get grace. It is no longer grace; it's my formula, and so I have a problem with some of the aspects of it. As you know, so I haven't worked through all the details. Like I said, I'm oh. busy doing everything else.
6: Well, yeah, no, definitely, it's a, it's something I'd love to really you know discuss more you know in depth. Uh, I did not get a chance to do that. That's my fault. Um, I had I had the time, but I was uh, you know I kind of got backtracked and all over the place. Um. But what else? Uh, I'm trying to think. No, that was my main question, and uh, I don't know if uh, if there's any oddities about orthodoxy that you guys uh, have encountered lately, or you know bothersome things. I'd love to address them uh, myself. If uh, you know.
4: well, the only thing I'm concerned about with any group is the methodology or the, how you become justified before the infinitely holy God.
6: Uh, that's that's imperial. A... Uh, come again? I didn't hear what the other guy said.
4: Oh, no, just soteriology right, soteriology how is a person made legally righteous before God according to that law You know, which is concomitant with the forgiveness of sins that's always the issue okay. of any group
3: I ask or the ordo salutes no, that's different
6: the ordo,
3: ordo. ordo Salutis. I'm a little lost Or ordo well, Salutis has to do I mean,
6: with the
4: issue of the decrees I mean, of God bringing people into salvation does he know who's going to pick him? And then he picks them and he ordains them because of that. You know, these kind of questions. And um, the, Did he call people before uh, the foundation of the world, after the foundation of the world? he look into the future to see who's going to pick him in his decrees? Oh, this inter- is like pre-
6: predestination sort of stuff. And-
4: it's, it's like that, predestination and elect. Did he elect before he predestined, predestined before he elect? He elect it. I mean, those are the kinds of questions that are asked in the, the issue of the Ordo Salutis.
6: Interesting. Never heard of this Ordo Salutis, but I'll do more research on
4: it. You can go to a carm and you can read up on it. And uh, so the Calvinist uh, Ordo Salutis, generally speaking, is election first, predestination, then calling, then regeneration, then faith, then repentance, then justification, then then sanctification, perseverance, and glorification. The Arminian position is calling the preacher uh, preaching of the gospel, prevenient grace, faith, repentance, regeneration, justification, perseverance, glorification. The Catholic is actual grace, faith, contrition, regeneration at baptism, penance, glorification. These are the kinds of, of issues and things.
6: Uh, I've noticed that in in reading uh, some of this stuff that um, the back and forth and uh, learning a little bit about the history of Protestantism is how much uh, there's this, these discussions on minutiae. And I don't understand it uh, to some degree. Like, for example, like um, you mentioned the Eucharist. And, for example, Luther's position was radically different from Calvin. And they both went to different uh, papal theological schools before they came to the Reformation, that they kind of you know, brought their baggage with them on that. And it it's, all kind of goes back to this kind of mechanical scholasticism that I don't fully get. Like, for me, when I think of the Eucharist, I know it's really the body and blood of Christ – uh you know i i don't I don't, i don't What does that mean? That it, that it's really the body and blood of Christ. Um
4: <laughs> well then if it is if it actually is yes if it actually is his blood and actually is his body <laughs> then it's got to have uh dna molecules in there.
6: Well that's okay. Now it's still the species of bread and wine.
4: But you said it's actually the body and blood. If it's this is like you see this, this is an, actually a glass. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. It, it's a glass. It's it's not my cell phone. So Correct. if I say it's actually a glass, then it has to have the nature of, of, of glass. So okay. if yeah. the bread, if the bread and the wine are actually the body and blood of Christ, well, then there has to be human elements in it, uh, DNA, you know, blood. Well, hemoglobin, there's a,
6: there is there is there is an cells. element. Well, no, there is an element of life in both bread and wine
4: an and, element of of life in bread and wine yeah, yeah but see bread. that's that's incredibly vague
6: no it's yeast it's not vague at all
4: no 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 an element of life that phrase is incredibly vague an element of life
6: the point is that the food itself is living in both cases okay so the point and
4: so, is, but it's not heard...
6: it's not Christ before
4: so when we look at wine, we could take a microscope and I could see molecules, uh, cells, uh, grape cells or fruit of the vine cells, uh, bread. I could see yeast cells and things like that, okay. I assume. Yep. Uh, but we look at the, at the Eucharist, the bread. Do you see blood cells uh, or in the wine? Do you see blood cells, human blood cells?
6: You would want it to look. I mean, in some cases, sure, but that's not all the time.
4: No, the Eucharist. Come on, the it's the no, blood I mean, of Christ. I mean, if it's the blood of Christ, we have Christ's DNA in in uh, in the well, blood, of that, right?
6: Right. He didn't say that. He he, he didn't say it's going to physically become just my physical body. Like it's it didn't like when he gave it to the apostles, it didn't ma- like transform into like human flesh.
4: Well, wait a, he, a minute. You said it was his body.
6: It is his body.
4: It, you said it's his actual body. Sure. Now you're saying it's not his actual body.
6: No, I'm saying it's not his human body. It's his bread body.
4: So then how is it? If it's not his human body, then what body is it? The Venusian, the Martian body?
6: No, the bread body.
4: So Jesus is walking around as a loaf of, of wonder bread?
6: I don't think he walks around as, a, as bread. Well, then bread how could it walk. be how could his bo- bread be his body? It's a mystery. It's what he declared. That, and it's funny because that same shock is precisely what happened in John six fifty four, And they said, how can, he, how can this man give us his body to eat? And he uses the term, and I'm sure you know this, in the script he uses the term, again, I say to you, if you do not munch upon my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life in you. How does that work? Now think about that. Let's just assume you're right. Let's say it's not really the body and blood of Christ. Let's just do that. Okay, if you are eating it, whether you call it a symbol or not, you have life in you. But if you reject it, you don't. Clearly, this is not normal bread or wine. Or would you agree?
4: So are you saying that if I reject it as the actual body and the actual blood of Christ, that I can't be saved now?
6: Well, I'm saying if you reject eating it, it says if you do not partake, you will have no life in you. It doesn't say, you know... I'm, my point I'm trying to make is that you have to partake of the Eucharist. That's part of the reason why you list it as a covenant sign, I presume.
4: So, yeah, it's a covenant sign because he says so. Uh, but John six sixty three, uh, Jesus says the, in the context of all that, uh, the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. He's talking in a spiritual sense.
6: So you can't... Can't... are you saying that the bread isn't spiritual?
4: I'm saying the, uh, that when he's holding the bread in his hand, uh, it, he had not yet been crucified. So let me ask you, was that bread the sacrificed body of Christ?
6: The When you say the, it's the it's all the body of Christ when he says it.
4: Okay, was it the sacrificed body of Christ when he gave it to them?
6: Uh, I guess, well, yeah, if you, I, you're outside time, he's God. Now,
4: outside of time. Okay, so Now he's outside of time, and it was his actual body and blood. So the problem I'm having with this kind of dialogue, I have it with Catholics every now and then, is they introduce science fiction. And then they say, this is how we're going to make it fit. We're going to introduce sci-fi, science fiction, outside of time. Uh, We don't know what that means. We can't relate to it. It's a catchphrase of of meaningless uh, symbols.
6: But that's part of the reason why you have these debates with Roman Catholics to begin with, is because God says it's my body and my blood. And we doubt that.
4: Why? Well, wait a minute. But what does he mean by it's his body and his blood? Uh, because if, so if it's literally his body and his blood, then he's violating Levitical law by having them eat blood, which Leviticus 17.11 uh, forbids.
6: Yeah, except it's not the blood of an animal. It's the blood of God.
4: It says, no, any flesh, the blood of any flesh. That's what it says. And we know the Jews use that to not be cannibalistic and things like that. But
6: that's exactly my point, Matt. That's why when he re-emphasized it, the largest number of followers that he had left, because it was a hard saying.
4: Because they would not have considered it to be true that he would be wanting them to violate Old Testament law.
6: And he let them leave.
4: And he did let them leave, because they didn't understand the true meaning of what he was saying.
6: Or because he really meant what he said.
4: or Okay, if he really meant what he said, as you like to say that phrase, he really meant what he said, then the bread, is it actually his body, as you said it was, right? Yes. What does that mean, it's actually his body?
6: It is his body in a form we can partake of.
4: That's not, that's not it. That's, that's, that's not what the actual it is. It's saying the actual, what is the actuality? You're saying it's a form it can take. That's, that's not answering the question.
6: Oh, it's a form of his body. It's his body.
4: Okay, what is the actuality? This is my hand right now. This is actually my hand. It's actually mine. It's actually part of me. It has body. It has flesh. It has nerves. It has blood, muscles, all that kind of stuff. Now, if it's, this is actually part of my body, Now, did Jesus say the bread was part of his body? No. Did he say it was his body? Is it the whole of his body? Is he saying the essence of his body is in the bread? But yet he's right there. And if if he's right there and he had not been crucified and had not been glorified, and he says, this is my, my body, it can't be his literal body. When you say actual, you're not saying literal. You mean something different, and without clarifying what you mean, your argument is useless.
6: Well, it's not really an argument. I'm just simply pointing out that that's the the teaching is that it is his body. It is in the what's f- meant by in that the, in the species of bread and wine. It is. Well, there's no debate about that. I'm not going to even say like I see. Well, someone, wait a minute.
4: Jesus says he's a door. Was he actually a door?
6: Um, in some in a sense he was, but not in a literal door.
4: So was the body the bread literally his body?
6: Well, he emphasized it, so I'd say that he, that's what he meant. Was it literally his body? He says it is. It is. He's the creator of the universe.
4: So you're saying it's literally his body. So if we'd have taken that bread, then we could have looked at it and seen human cells.
6: I didn't say that.
4: You said it's literally his body. What else does it mean to be literally his body?
6: It's literally his body because he says it's his body. Not because he said, I'm going to add some DNA to it.
4: So, well, no, 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 if, if something is literally what it is, you can analyze it and see it has a properties of what it is. Well, That's that, how you know it literally is that. But you're saying it's literally the b- body of Christ, but it's not. Because we're literally saying it's actually his body, but if we look at it, none of the attributes are there of, of being his actual body.
6: Well, I mean, if you want to go into the uncomfortable history of the thing, I mean, there have been points in church history, which we've even preserved them, where after, you know, Somebody doubted whether it was his body and blood. The thing on the altar, the bread and wine, literally changed into flesh and blood, which obviously made them inedible. And they've you know been preserved in some places. I don't
4: go with superstition or it's, magic tricks.
6: Well, it's not a magic trick. It's a, how do you, if you if a priest is saying something on an altar, unless he's a great some some great magician, you usually can't make human flesh and blood out of the thing.
4: So let me get this straight. Let me reword it. Okay. Okay. So you mean an unregenerate uh, so-called priest who's serving Satan uh, without even knowing it through his false teachings and his false doctrines goes through a ritual and is changed, and that means that it's true?
6: I don't think it's I don't even think it's that complex. I mean you oh, yourself I
4: think it's very clear. That's what kind of happened.
6: I think this is it's an interesting thing. I'll tell you another interesting story.
4: Oh wait, 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 wait. The stories, I wanna go this this bread, is it actually his wife? What does it mean to actually be? What does it mean?
6: It means that it is God edible to give grace to you.
4: God is now edible?
6: Yes. Did no Catholic say this to you?
4: Okay, so um, so we can eat God. Okay. Yes, that's um,
6: exactly my point.
4: When does the element stop being God in our digestive tract? Is there a point Have they gone that far? Um,
6: no, not really. I mean,
4: it's, because I mean, it's the lo- lo- the logical question I'm going to ask.
6: I know what you're going to ask. <laughs> I don't. I
4: don't want to because I don't want to. I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> but you see the problem.
6: You're you're you going to ask. Are you going to can you poop God?
4: Yeah, and I'm trying to be respectful of my Lord and, and not be in front of what you're
6: Well, but, here's what here's what I would say: that if a person gets to the point of eating only the Eucharist, if they're at that holiness, they're usually not pooping much at all. But that's beside the point.
4: The point, well, is, yeah. But the, the thing is, now you have a digestive tract undoing the very nature of God.
6: Well, it's not undoing the nature of God; it's digesting the particles, the species of bread, and the spirit goes to your spirit.
4: So wait a minute. The spirit is now increased into our spirit. This is—I never thought about this. So then we got two issues: the physical part of God. We're eating God, so we're eating Him. So His godness becomes infused into our bodies.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeast, by the way, do become part of the digestive tract. Okay. I don't
4: know if yeah, but that's that's inhabiting, not part of. It's inhabiting.
6: Well, I'm, I'm not going to overgo with the yeast because my. But the point I'm trying to make is that which is spiritual remains. And that which is not, goes.
4: So, the God part of the bread, i am got to be very, very careful here when I talk like this, because I do not in any way want to disrespect my Lord accidentally. So, I'd be very careful. I really appreciate that. I take this very seriously. This is a very serious thing. Um, And so, what I'm trying to understand is that you're saying this bread is actually the body of Christ and his divinity. It, or, it just, or is it divinity and humanity?
6: I would say it's his divinity, and it's a species of bread. And without, okay. we can't forget the without it, there's no life within you part. Because I want to keep that, that
4: on. Okay. So th- I'm just working about one thing at a time. So sure. the actual molecules of the bread are not human molecules, right? No, they're, they're
6: bread molecules.
4: They're okay, they're bread bre- molecules.
6: They're definitely bread
4: molecules. So how do you have human nature in a physical sense, because that's what the body is, how do you have the physical necessity of the human nature not be in the bread in a physical sense, yet it's it's also the physical body?
6: Well, when life is infused into a human when they're conceived, the point is, their life is not part of their biology. And this is my point, is that the bread is alive, the body and blood are alive, um as god but they are not changed to the point where they become human in other words it doesn't become the god man on the altar it becomes part of the divine nature of christ joins the bread but not the uh, not the human nature although that has in ugly periods where people doubted weird things have happened but in general that's not supposed to happen what's supposed to happen is god is you know is ingested for it's taken for our salvation, or our condemnation, as St. Paul points out, because in some cases people were taking the Eucharist unworthily and died. I mean, this is a serious deal.
4: Yeah, it is, and we should always be very careful about this topic. But um, So, uh, if we had obtained, back then, super hypothetical, obtained a drop of Christ's blood, we could have looked at it under a microscope, we would have seen hemoglobin, and sell cellular activity and things like that, because that's part of what it is. Presumably he's right. really human, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was. And so how do you have the actual physical elements of the bread be the actual physical body of Christ, yet that bread does not have any characteristics of the actual body of Christ?
6: Well, that's part of why it's called a mystery. He declares it so, and it's so. I don't, I don't I'm not uh. going to say, I'm, well, I can't, what am I supposed to say? I can't, no, your interpretation,
4: lie. you're interpreting it as a declaration. Well, that doesn't it mean would, your interpretation is valid. I'm, I'm just see. working on the logic of where this is leading to. You're okay. having a non sequitur. You're having something that's self-contradictory. Well, it's uh, you're having something be itself and not also not itself at the same time, and that violates the law of identity.
6: This is kind of a, kind of a follow up to you know the difficulties we were having in the last discussion, and the point I'm trying to make is that when you're dealing with I hate to say use the term supernatural I prefer the term miraculous but when you're dealing with a world, um, and this is something that you were even talking about with covenant signs that they're everywhere um, when you're dealing with a world of divinity infusing through the church um, through the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit throughout the earth. It's not going to always make sense. It's, it's I don't. Be, I don't have any
4: problem with mysteries. I don't have a problem with mysteries. Well, uh, that's, that's, that's why we, we don't
6: use the term sacrament. We use the term mysteries. But
4: yeah, the, that's, a, that's. I don't have a problem. problem with mysteries or paradoxes. I have a problem with logical contradictions.
6: Okay. Which so what is you're saying really stressing you out
4: here? It's not stressing me out. I just see a problem, and I can never adopt your position because I see it be logically impossible. You're saying that the elements of the bread are the actual body of Christ, yet the actual body of Christ would necessarily have physical characteristics of a human body. So if you why say it's the actual, body? even in the glorified body, yeah. okay. it's the same body he died in, it's just glorified. He had open wounds in his side and the whole bit. Um, well, he still had skins. I
6: was, was looking really for the manifestation to the disciples. I mean, he didn't need to keep the wounds, he could have them.
4: No, he. That's a potentially heretical statement on your part. You may not be aware of the seriousness of the statement. And I want to continue with this, but that's a serious thing that you just said. Okay. I hope I misunderstood you. Well, what's uh, what's you. Are you saying, okay, let me ask you this, because maybe I misunderstood you. Are you saying Jesus is not a man right now? No, I'm not. Okay. Is he a man right now? He's God and man right now. So he's a man. Yeah, Got Very good. Very good. And so he was raised from the dead, the very same body he died in, that it was a glorified body. Correct. And the reason he appeared to the people was to prove his resurrection. Uh,
6: well, the reason he appeared to, yeah, I would say that that's, that's one of okay. the major reasons, yeah.
4: Sure. Okay. Okay, I just misunderstood you then. All right, no biggie. Cool. Okay.
6: So, Back to the bread and <laughs> So
4: You say that the bread is the actual body, and yet the actual body would necessarily have to have cells. DNA and uh, that's, that's what it is to be the bread actual bread. body okay and yet you say the bread which is the actual body does not contain those characteristics of an actual body
6: it's, it contains the spiritual characteristics it is really in that sense it is really a body is that it is a host for Christ but it what, is not and that's where we really the term host by the way
4: what are the spiritual characteristics of um of Jesus, uh, not to be flippant, hair, uh, skin cells, uh, hand, but, whatever, you know, like human physical part. body. Okay, physical body. What are the spiritual characteristics of a physical body?
6: But those are the human parts. They're the parts that are not spiritual. They're the carnal parts.
4: Well, the bread relates to the physical body, right? No. It does. You just spirit. said it does. It said it's the actual body that relates to the physical body.
6: I think we're, I think part of our confusion here is that we keep on going back from actual and physical. I do believe that the body and blood of Christ are actually the body and blood of Christ. I do not believe they are a human body on the altar.
4: Yeah, yeah. I know what you're doing. I, I mean, I don't mean that in a, in a, I guess, stretch my back here. No. I, I know what you're doing. You're trying to, to explain, and um, I'm going back and forth this it's slight a tough, shade. It's
6: a tough thing to explain. It's it's, it's a mystery. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm not going to say, like, oh, well, <clears> yeah. I, I, I'm not a scholastic. I would love to define it in easy parts the way that the papists do, so on and so forth. I, we don't do that.
4: Yeah. Um, this but,
6: is part of, oh,
4: go ahead. No, I was going to say, you just, you, you, you um, It's not a paradox. Uh, it's not a mystery. It's a logical impossibility. And um, you, you guys haven't thought this thing through, apparently, uh, or you have enough, and you, you stop reasoning, you stop thinking, say, eh, it's just a mystery."
6: That well, there is a point where we do do that. That's, yeah, I understand I, that. That's that's part of our, I think our faith. It's you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but our the, our. Faith is filled with paradoxes. The assumption, yeah. For example, that, you know, for, take, for example, Christ's resurrection. <coughs> it didn't make sense to a lot of people. <coughs> because people don't usually come back from the dead.
4: Right. I, I got I said that, but, we're, but the bread, you're saying the bread is the actual body. That's what he so declared if- to me. No, not- no 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 you know, he said that. He said also said I'm the door. He said I am the way. He said I am the light. He said lots of things that we have to understand you know that aren't always necessarily exactly literal one for one. And and uh when you say he you know this is my body, when he's saying this is my body, does he mean it's actually his physical body?
6: Well you you mean his human body?
4: Yeah. No. So then, if it's not his actual human body, how can it be his body?
6: Because he declares it to be his body.
4: No. How can it be actually his body if it's not really his body? You see the problem. How can it be his body if it's not his body? You can't have both those statements be true.
6: Let me see if I can make it a little more clear in terms of uh, the nature of Christ. He has a human and divine nature, right?
4: Hypothetic union. Yep.
6: Okay, great the bread has a physical nature it does not have a spiritual nature because it's bread unless you count the yeast which are alive correct yeah okay the bread has the divine nature it does not have the human nature that's hard but it is that's what we believe
4: that it's not his actual body
6: we would say it's his actual body
4: no when if Jesus he, died on the cross, his spirit was separated from his physical body. The okay. human aspect of his divine nature. Just a, so when a, I'm a human, and when you're a human, okay, and we have spirits. Our so spirits are separate from our body. We go, right. know that's possible. Awesome. Second Corinthians 4, or 2 Corinthians 12, two. We know it's possible. So the essence of what I am as a human being is not limited to my physical sense. The spiritual aspect of what I am can continue without my physical body. Mm-hmm. So humanness, your humanness and my humanness, is detected by the attributes of humanity, not just whether we have hands and legs, because amputees are still human. So humanity has a certain spiritual quality to it mm-hmm. that's separate from the physical,
6: and that spiritual quality can do more things in terms of movement, I would assume,
4: than okay. a
6: regular human body. Correct?
4: Maybe, maybe. Right.
6: But that's a human. Now, now what if
4: but, you, not? but here's a problem. You see, the human nature, by definition, is only one place at a time. Even when the spirit is separated, Paul says, I, I think it was he was referring to himself, but whatever. I know a man 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, do not know. Such a man was caught up in the third heaven. He's talking about locality of the individual in one place. He's defining the spiritual essence apart from the physical body, and he's declaring that it's localized in one area. The spiritual act of the human essence apart from the physical body. What you're trying to tell me, then, is the physical aspect, the human aspect, not the physical, but the human aspect of Christ is in that bread. No. Then it can't be what you say, period. Because if it's the actual physical body, you can't have it actually be the physical body because by logical necessity, the physical body has to have certain properties and characteristics to it. If it doesn't have those properties and characteristics, it's not actually physical body.
6: Okay, so what you're saying is that when he raised the bread up and said, This is my body, he didn't mean it?
4: What did he mean by the phrase? I'm not saying he didn't mean it. I'm saying, What did he mean?
6: Well, that's a good question. Well, here's another, and I'm going to follow that up with another question I have again. Why did people die if they received it unworthily in the scriptures?
4: Judgment I mean, upon bread, right? them. Judgment upon them because they weren't understanding that it was a sacrificial covenant sign representation. And they're going there because some people think that what the context was, they're going to have these eating fests, and they were abusing the blood of Christ in that sense. I know
6: the reason, but the point is it occurred upon the eating of the bread. That's why it doesn't talk about just the feast. It says whoever eats this unworthily. Shall receive yeah. to their condemnation. So why would receiving the bread unworthily, if it's just bread, not uh, be, it would be? An that's order. another.
4: That's another thing. What does that mean? But, you know you're going to say it means you have to understand exactly what it means that his physical sense was there, but not his physical essence, and the body was actually the bread was actually his body, even though it wasn't actually his body. You're, you're well, telling his
6: body, just like he made water into wine.
4: The human essence of Christ is separate from the body. Because it, he continued on as a human after his physical death. What you're telling me is his physical body, his physical body is the bread.
6: Wait, now hold on a second. You just said something really kind of weird. You said that his human essence is, uh, I guess, you, I assume you're circumscribing it to, to his human essence, but what about his divine essence? <clears throat>
4: the hypothetic union teaches that the human and divine natures of Christ are permanently united. I know that's that. What, that. That's it. So when the I know all this because I had to think through all this with annihilationism and but, some but, other issues. Now, so, was um, it his
6: human nature or was it his divine nature that changed the water into wine?
4: The uh, Bible doesn't say. There's another doctrine called the communicatio idiomatum and the personhood. We can get into that, another thing. The thing I'm, I'm just saying is that um, when he died, uh, the physical body was in the tomb. His human essence was elsewhere, and we could talk about that. Another topic, be interesting discussion. Well, his but, essence was also elsewhere. Yeah, but they were united. The human yeah. essence and the divine, the human nature and the, and the divine nature were together. I don't know how that works in the single personhood of, of Christ, apart from his physical body at his death.
6: You don't
4: know how that works? No, I no, I don't, I don't know how that works.
6: But then what, <laughs> why, wait, but then why is accepting what he said in terms of the body price so difficult
4: for you? Uh, I'll, I'm trying to explain it. And so the physical body has its own characteristics separate from the humanness issue, which can separate from the physical body and exist elsewhere. So the physical body has its own set of characteristics. Okay. By necessity – Physical characteristics. I'm holding a back scratcher in my hand. My mom had this. She's had it for 30, 40 years. I've got it now. It has certain, certain characteristics. It's bamboo. You know, I think it's bamboo. It's bamboo and it's got you know weight and stuff like that. And you know, and I have a, a wallet here and uh, it's got certain characteristics. It's, these are physical. Physical objects.
6: Physical God objects. Be, can God be those objects with spiritual power? With himself.
4: I know of no instance in the scriptures where that is the case, except to say in the incarnation of Christ. But that's not imbuing it with spiritual power; that's an incarnation.
6: What about the handkerchiefs of St. Paul I brought up before?
4: Yeah, that's a that's, that's a good point. Um, I'm not sure how to respond to that from my context, because there's something was going on there, but I don't know exactly what was going on. If those handkerchiefs had power in and of themselves. Then you would think that what would happen is they whoever had those handkerchiefs, you better hope that they maybe they somebody's got one of the, got one of those handkerchiefs to this day, and he's bought it for a cabillion dollars, and he rubs it on himself every now and, and then, not, so he gets healed. that not probably, at me. It probably,
6: I, it probably wouldn't be a cabillion dollars, but that's why we keep relics.
4: Yeah, relics. Yeah, that's another topic. But that's a, I think you know the handkerchief thing is the only thing that I think is interesting. Uh, About that, because I'm going to study that some more. And, and, you know, I don't have any problem admitting that because it's right there in Scripture. But the thing is, you know, the physical body of Christ has to do with the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ united in that body. But the divinity have characteristics and the humanity has characteristics which are separate from the physical body. The human characteristics are not the same thing as a single cell and hemoglobin, because we know the human essence, the human spirit can be separated from the body and continue on afterwards. We know that. So therefore, when Jesus said, this is my body, he was not talking about this is my humanity or my divinity.
6: Well, you you, you don't know
4: that. I'm just believing what he said. Just what like, you, it's right? My body. <laughs> it's, it's my body, right? Let's go with that. It doesn't say it's divine. It doesn't say it has human essence. It says it's my body. If, it's, if he's saying it literally it's like what he says, if it's literal, like you say, you, you kind of move the goalpost. You say, well, it's actually his body, but it's also not the case that it's actually his body. And what you do is you'll say it's actually his body, but it's a, a spiritual essence of the body. There is no spiritual essence of a physical body there is no physical, spiritual essence of I happen to have a hammer right here, I don't know why there's a hammer right here in my office but this, there's no spiritual essence to this this thing unless if you want God to get into transcendental if,
6: if, if God wants there to be, there will be uh,
4: if he wants there to be, there will be but um, that's, it, that's kind of like begging the question, you can say well if he wants it he wants it here, he wants it there, he wants it there, he wants it here so therefore that's how come we well,
6: know it's of, true or does Christ bless hammers and say that you know that's part of his body
4: well, he doesn't. He only says it of of his body. And I'm trying to understand exactly what is meant by the, the term, it is my body. Because it cannot be that he's going to have them actually eat his actual flesh because it would violate the Old Testament law.
6: We covered this part and that's when the people left. And yes, then, so,
4: but, it would, but he would not ask them to violate the law. Jesus would not ask them to sin.
6: Hold on. I think Andrew's got a point here. I want to
4: hear well, the the point is, is we,
0: we went half an hour Great. over the show. The guys at the after show are waiting to start.
6: <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. Um, we can go in there.
0: That, about 8 o'clock. Um, I'm going to drop the link in here for the after show. So if you guys want to go in the there and we'll go, go continue. You. Um, Joseph, one question for you. Yeah.
4: Please. You believe
0: that on that Passover meal.
4: I'm going to go that, in. I'll see you guys. Okay.
0: Okay. You you believe that on that Passover meal that. that At that time, Jesus was offering his physical body and his blood, correct?
6: Well, he was offering himself. I'm not going to, I don't get into the just
0: the blood of my covenant. Yeah. Was that his blood of my
6: covenant? Yes. But it wasn't, it was before the Passover, which is why it's unleavened bread. Yeah.
0: So you're saying that you believe that he offered his blood as the covenant before he actually was the sacrifice?
6: Well, I think that that's an interesting thing because he says, do this in memory of me. He clearly offers his blood on the cross. There's no doubt about that. And we it's believe
0: before, it's before the cross. It's That's before
6: the, the cross, but he's ordering his apostles to do it in memory of him. Do you get what I'm Correct. saying? In other words, it's not, so it, it's what I'm which, saying. Which is, nobody received the, the exactly Eucharist what before the, Passover the is. Yeah. Exactly, because Christ it's, is our Passover.
0: You can't remove it from that context. But the point being is, your, your argument is that he's offering the blood before the sacrifice of his blood.
6: I'm not going that's to a argue problem. with St. John. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, I'm not going to argue with the author of the scripture.
0: That's what it says. Well, n- uh, no, we're arguing about your interpretation of the scriptures. That's the point. Okay. Well,
6: my point, it's not an
0: interpretation. Well, I'm there's not serious, you, 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 and and maybe next week come in earlier. We can discuss when it is we should take it, the scriptures as literal as you're taking it and when you take it figurative. You're not using the same hermeneutic when Matt brings up the door. Right, as you with the blood.
6: Absolutely, and, you're, and okay. you're right. There are differences.
0: Correct, and this would be another case where you shouldn't be taking it literal the way you are, because clearly he can't offer his blood before the sacrifice.
6: Well, he can do whatever he wants. He's God.
0: So this doesn't work for right, me. So it goes into some weird thing.
6: I, really, I realize it's weird. I'm not. Um, I never said coming, it's not
0: oh, weird. Hold on, let me get. you. I know what's wrong with that link. It's it's that the, I have to copy it a different way. Hold on, Matt. All right. So if you go to, um, and I'll drop a link for the after show, it's basically going to be. Um, is, this, is this the council? Is the council? Yeah.
4: Um, it's so the same has, link.
0: That's the same link? That's the one that they gave
4: me. When I click on it, it goes to. Google Hangout, and then it says, log in. I'm already logged in. And when I log in with, or try and click on one of my accounts to log in, it says, get started by calling our message a a friend below. As it, it says, if no one is in there.
0: Okay. I got the same thing when uh-huh. I
5: tried that link.
4: Okay. We'll ask. Maybe, maybe we waited too long there. Um, all right. <laughs> well, just I'm going to click it anyway and start it, see what happens, and uh, let's see if anybody goes in there. No, it's a okay. video call. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Let's see,
0: calling John. So, all right. Oh, well, we'll see. Maybe there won't be an after show tonight. Um, okay. John, all right. I'll all come the- back earlier mm-hmm. next week. It's my fault. So,
6: we started at 8.30 today, so we didn't finish until
0: 9.30. Well, we start at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Okay. Uh, every- I have a new link that I'll drop in here. Um, he just gave me a new link, so we'll drop that here. Okay. So that second link should be the good one. Um. So for folks who who are watching, if you want to get these every week, we turn them into a podcast. It's part of the Christian podcast community. So you can just do a search for Apologetics Live. Apologetics Live on any podcast app should get you to the podcast version of this, and that way you can listen to it over and over. Um, As many times as you want to hear that Catholic debate that was last week, uh, you can do that. So we This is a ministry of Striving for Eternity, the ministry I work for, and Matt is our regular apologist. Um, we do want to let you guys know that if you are a podcaster, um, the Christian Podcast Community is going to be opening up to applications, and therefore, if you are interested, you can go to Striving for Eternity, or, or actually, you can go to christianpodcastcommunity.org and get the some details to contact us from there. So until next week, I don't know. We have a topic specifically for next week. It'll probably be open Q and a. So folks come in early, come in at eight o'clock Eastern time
6: Sorry again.
0: Uh, time to get in. And uh, until next week, remember to strive to make the day an eternal day for the glory of God.